Well, hello, hello. And welcome to another five and a bit hours of We'll Make It Up As We Go Along Radio. Uh, it is good to be with you. It is Wednesday, January 24. And my name is Luke Boner. And uh, as we go right around the nation and right around the world on this, uh, well, a strange sort of a Wednesday weather-wise, I'll give you the Bureau's forecast shortly as uh, North Queensland braces itself for Cyclone Kiralee. That's expected to make landfall tomorrow, Thursday. But, um, yeah, good to be with you. I hope we find you in good spirits. I hope we find you in the mood for a chat because that's what we're here for. And um, Thomas, caller of the week is tomorrow because we won't be here on Friday. That's right. Did you remember that? Have you, are you geared up and ready to go with that? I'm geared up, ready to go, golden in my calendar. And, Luke, we've got some amazing calls in the bag already. But we need more. And um, if, uh, look, the chances of you winning caller of the week, the odds have shrunk because it's a four-day week. Thomas and I, we only get um, national holidays off. We don't get any of the state holidays off. And there's only a handful of them, and Friday is one of them. And uh, even if we said, look, we want to work today, the bosses said, no, nah, we've, we've got other things planned. Go away. So, look, tomorrow, Thursday is like our Friday. Does that make sense? So, one triple three five three. if you've been um, hoarding some thoughts today or this week, if there's something that you'd like to talk about, well, now is your chance. Caller of the week this week is going to win an Aussie hose. The best hose you'll ever, ever own. Um, we're also going to give away some Swift Grow, a Triple M T-shirt, uh, a, a Pestrol device that is guaranteed to get rid of cockroaches and mice and, and all that sort of stuff. We're giving it all away, and we're doing it tomorrow. But you've got to be in it to win it. So that's call of the week. Uh, the quickie continues today. So it's today's day three. The clue is a separate clip on our podcast. I think today's clue should give it away. But uh, if you are able to access uh, the podcast of The Night Shift on Triple M on the listener app or look wherever it is you get your podcast from, you'll have a, a good listen to to the quickie and you'll hear today's clue before anyone else does. But uh, that's coming up uh, a little bit later on. I am really looking forward to introducing you. If, you don't, if you're not already familiar with James Morrow and what he does, James Morrow is the national political advisor for the Daily Telegraph. He is also a regular on Sky News, and he is a very interesting character. Came here nearly 27 years ago from New York, and uh, his insight into the political, uh, the Australian political system is just fantastic. He has some really interesting thoughts, some really interesting opinions. And James Morrow joining me later today. One of the things I know he wants to talk about is Anthony Albanese fiddling with the stage three tax cuts. Uh, it looks as though for sure he will change them around. And he's on a hiding to nothing, no matter which way he goes. Because if he does tweak the tax cuts and takes a bit of money away from the top end and gives more money to people on the lower income bracket, he is going to be accused of breaking promises. Some people are even saying it'll be his Julia Gillard, there'll be no carbon tax under a government I lead moment. But morally, and to be fiscally responsible, don't people in the lower tax brackets, the lower earners 
living in Australia do they not deserve a bigger hunk of any tax uh, help that's on offer? We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on, but I know that James Morrow also wants to talk about another brain bubble that our Prime Minister has had. And that is, at caucus today, and tomorrow at the National Press Club, we'll hear more about it, he is he's come up with the idea of creating 53 more seats in Parliament, in the House of Representatives. He is suggesting that in order for Australia to be better governed, we need 53 more politicians. It's 53 more officers, 53 more chiefs of staff, 53, 53 times all of that, 53 more airfares every time Parliament's recalled, 53 more taxpayer-funded residences in Canberra. He wants 53 more politicians in the House of Representatives. I think we're over-governed as it is. I honestly think we're over-governed in this country as it is. I mean, you look at uh, state governments that do have upper and lower houses. I mean, I think that we should actually do away with any upper house in state parliaments. I think that we probably could do without local councils. And what we actually need is less bureaucracy, but better representation. And I'll tell you more. I'll, I'll elaborate more on, on how I feel about that, that down the track this morning. But Al- Albanese is looking at fiddling with the tax cuts. And as I said, he'll get hammered no matter what he does there. But he's also talking about 53 more seats in the House of Representatives. Really? Do we, you tell me what you think. It's 53 more wages, 53, all the, all the extra staff that goes with it, 50, 53 more memberships at the Qantas Captain's Lounge. It's true. As soon as you get elected to Parliament, you get, for some reason, you get membership to the Qantas Lounge, the Captain's Lounge. Anyway, uh, more on that. Uh, a little bit later on. Your thoughts are very, very welcome. Jump on board. one triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, getting back to James Morrow, the other thing, Cricket Australia refusing to say on January 26 anything about Australia Day. It's you know, like, uh, don't mention the war. I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with it on, uh, from Faulty Towers. Cricket Australia is not going to mention the words Australia Day this Friday. It'll be day two of the second test against the West Indies in Brisbane. And it falls on this public holiday. Australia Day, the public holiday on Friday, is now called the controversial public holiday. The decision to schedule the test over the Australia Day weekend in itself controversial, with women's all-rounder Ash Gardner previously describing it as a day of hurt and mourning. The actual phrase, Australia Day, is not going to be used. Cricket Australia will hold a standard welcome to country ceremony on day one of the test. That falls on Thursday, tomorrow. But the governing body has said, no, we are going to have no association with Australia Day. Not going to mention it. I noticed that an Australian war veteran 
has demanded the Sydney Council cancel its Australia Day dawn reflection service, saying it's disrespectful to soldiers who fought and died for their country. It's an Anzac Day-style service hosted by Waverley Council, which is going to acknowledge the resilience and survival of Aboriginal people, recognising it as a day of mourning. This is Waverley Council. It will include a welcome to country from traditional custodians, and there'll be a smoking ceremony. Michael Von Berg is a military cross recipient who served as a combat soldier in the Vietnam War. And he's absolutely unleashed on all of this. He says that dawn services should not be associated with Australia Day. That's what Anzac Day is all about. He said, for God's sake, it's a disservice not only to the veteran community, but also to First Nations soldiers who fought and died for their country. Mr. Von Berg says he served alongside Aboriginal soldiers on his first tour of Vietnam in 1966. And he's questioned the purpose of the event, describing it as cheap symbolism. He says, quote, Personally, a dawn service of this nature flies in the face of what a dawn service stands for. It's about honouring soldiers. He says this stuff doesn't help anyone, and I tend to agree with him. How do you feel? No Australia Day. Waverley Council has cancelled Australia Day. No citizenship ceremonies. Imagine you've been waiting for years and years and years to become an Australian citizen. Proudest day of your life. The dawn of a new era in your life. And you want to become an Australian citizen on Australia Day and you find out that your local council has cancelled it. And this comes hot on the heels of a referendum where overwhelmingly the majority of Australians said, we don't want racial division anymore. We just don't want racial. We are all Australian. Here's the bottom line. If you don't like Australia Day being on January 26, and this is a democracy, you can, you can think and say what you want. We have freedom of speech. But give me an alternative date and no one has yet been able to do that. What's the alternative day? What is the day where everybody, no matter what colour, what creed, no matter what background, if this is your country, what is the national day if you don't like Australia Day, uh, January 26th? That, that's all I'm asking. If you've got some thoughts on all of this, I'd love to hear from you. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Uh, yesterday, I was absolutely shocked to hear that there are Queenslanders, and I, I got a funny feeling this isn't just Queensland, but there are Queenslanders looking to make a quick buck, and they're cashing in on the housing crisis. And what they're doing is illegally renting out their backyards and their garden sheds, often without access to running water, often without toilets or showers, and they're renting these things out to desperate people, desperate families who are now locked out of the rental market. You can't make this stuff up. Online spaces such as Facebook Marketplace and Gumtree are being used to advertise dilapidated backyards, sheds, small plots of unkempt land around the Brisbane region, 
for amounts of around $250 a week, sometimes more. And under the name Space for Rent, to camp in Queensland's coveted national parks would cost somebody $50.75 for seven nights. For three people, it would cost $152.25. And a family of up to eight people would be charged $203 a week in one of the 51 camping areas. Those camping areas have toilets and shower facilities. One of Queensland's largest homeless support services, Mikau Projects, is it has seven, or it has even seen people being charged just to park in the driveway of a home to be able to sleep in their car. According to travel company Expedia, the cheapest caravan park in Queensland would cost two adults $336 a week, while to stay at an unpowered waterfront site on the idyllic Noosa River with amenities would set people back $386. And people can't afford it. And so now you have individuals advertising on Facebook, Marketplace and Gumtree their sheds. Little blocks of land, their backyards. They're charging people $250 a week to park in a driveway. These are people who are forced to sleep in their cars, $250 a week to park in, quote, a safe driveway. I can't believe that Australians are this mercenary. I honestly can't. It's, it's shameful, don't you think? Uh, we'll talk more about that later this morning. Um, let me ask you this. Are you looking to live somewhere? Tell me, how hard is it? How hard is it? What is your budget? Is your budget $300, $350 a week? Are you able to find anywhere to rent for that sort of money? Give me up and give me a call and, and let me know what you think. What's your experience? One triple three five three is the telephone number. I just can't believe that. Renting out your shed. No running water. No shower. No toilet. And people who are desperate are forced to say, okay, well, that's the best we can do. Unbelievable. Um, Scott Morrison is resigning from politics. I think he really did a long time ago, didn't he? He's been a bit of a waste of space in the House of Reps for a long, long time. Often he's just not there. I think he's writing his memoirs. Uh, what I feel sorry for are the, his constituents, the people of the seat of Cook in the Sutherland Shire. Uh, they have been without representation for a long, long time now. I, I honestly think that um, if you do resign, I mean, there's nothing worse than the next prime minister in the parliament. In Great Britain, there's a, there's a few of them. Um, but look... Scott Morrison, we, are, we have a, 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 a democracy. And really, when you enter parliament, you should be there for your constituency. You should be there to look after the people who voted for you, who are paying your wage. And he's been, he's been turning up, but he hasn't really been there. So I think it's a good thing that he's decided to resign. What I find a little bit frustrating is he's resigning midterm. He should have gone last election or he should wait for the next election because now there's a by-election and they cost millions of dollars. But anyway, he says it's been an honour. I wonder how Scott Morrison will be remembered. How will you remember him? Was it, do you think he was a good prime minister? 
gee whiz, he made himself minister for everything, didn't he, towards the end, and he did it in secret. But um, anyway, he entered Parliament as the member for the southern Sydney seat of Cook way back in 2007 and was Prime Minister for almost four years. Uh, He's described his time in politics as a great honour and paid tribute to his family, his constituents and political allies. Uh, He said, I've decided to leave Parliament at the end of February to take on new challenges in the global corporate sector and spend more time with my family. I got a funny feeling had he been offered a lucrative job in the corporate sector uh, uh, at the last election, he would have gone then. I got a funny feeling the job offer was a little slow in coming. But I mean, good luck to him. Um, some people will tell you that, um, that when he was, uh, minister in charge of the boats coming to Australia, the illegal boats coming to Australia, he stopped them and he saved a lot of lives in being tough and stopping those boats and, um, offshore processing. But, um, yeah. How do you feel Scott Morrison will be remembered as Prime Minister? Maybe you live in that electorate. Is he, was he a good local member? If you, um, if you knew Scott Morrison, if he was your local member, if you live in the seat of Cook, please give me a call. Tell me. Was he hands-on? How do you think he'll be remembered? Um, we'll talk about that later this morning as well. So there's a fair bit going on. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Look, here is something that we have brought up before, but it's very, very important. In this day and age of childhood obesity, of diabetes, of children that are stuck in homes, going online and playing games and being sedentary, it's more important than ever that kids get involved in sport and physical activity. And it's been revealed that parents are being forced to choose between putting food on the table or sending their kids to football or netball because of the surging costs of junior sport. Do you have kids who play junior sport? I need you to tell me exactly how much is it costing you? I noticed that uh, in Queensland, the LNP leader, David Crucifilli, who we've spoken to in this program, he's vowed a relentless focus on junior sport as part of the state election campaign. Mr. Crucifilli was speaking at the Gold Coast alongside junior netball officials who revealed that they've been forced to get rid of club fridges and freezers because they can't afford to pay the electricity bills. Did you know there's been a 10.3% rise in junior sport participation costs over the past 12 months? The biggest in the nation is in Queensland. What you've got is a double whammy where families are paying increasing things like electricity and insurance at home, and then they're copping it again with sporting fees. Increasingly, you hear stories of parents going without the most basic of essentials just so their kids can play sport. What is sport, what is your children's sport costing you? And how important do you think junior sport is? I mean, really, cash-strapped Australians being forced to choose between putting food on the table or letting their kids play sport. Registration, uniforms, travel expenses, and a lot of these junior sport clubs 
are having to close down or limit their services because they can't afford to pay the bills either. And with dwindling registrations, we could see the, f- the complete collapse of junior sport clubs all over Australia, and that would be an absolute tragedy. So you tell me, listeners, you tell me, what does it cost for you to get your kids involved in junior sport? One triple three five three is the telephone number. We need to talk about this. I think it's a huge issue because if we have healthy kids in the future, we'll have a healthy nation and we'll have fewer Australians who will be reliant on the hospital system and the, st- and the state's health systems if they're healthy. If they become sedentary and just play computer games and sit and eat rubbish, well, what happens then? A fit sporting nation is a healthy nation, in my opinion. And I also think playing sport in a junior capacity is a lot more important in a lot more areas. For example, it teaches you teamwork. It teaches you how to share. It can help with leadership. It it doesn't just keep you moving and keep you active. I think playing sport, particularly team sports, really do help develop young minds, young brains, and young bodies. I really think it's important. So how much government taxpayer subsidy should we be giving to help people keep their kids in junior sport? I really think it's important. I feel so strongly about it, but you tell me. And those people who have decided not to have children will say, well, why should my taxes go towards subsidising your lifestyle choice? You chose to have children You want them to play sport. Why should my taxes subsidise that? Well, hang on a second. If we help subsidise junior sport, those people who don't have children will benefit because we'll have a healthier race, a healthier country, and less of a burden on our health system. So I think everybody benefits. Hey, listen, I don't catch public transport, but I pay taxes. I help subsidise public transport. I don't use half the roads out there, but I help subsidise them. I realise that sometimes when you pay tax, you subsidise something you don't use. But anyway, tell me what you think. Hey, Thomas, we spoke to Trevor Long, our tech expert, first time this year yesterday, and I found it quite interesting. He always talks about different things, but one thing he brought up yesterday was that Disney Plus are going down the path of Netflix and they're going to stop password sharing. Is this correct? That's right. So it's going to get tighter. So and and this is so everybody is paying for their own accounts and that they get the money that they need. And that a couple of months ago, Netflix were really tight on this. You could share your password around and you could log in on another device, but they're getting really tight with this kind of stuff now. Yeah, well, I can understand that. I, 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 when the Netflix happened and we were sharing passwords, I thought, gee, this is a rot. We, we did it. Um, but you got to. You know, if you're going to use something, you pay for it. But I don't know much about Disney Plus. And so when Trevor brought this up, I thought, oh, okay, well, fair enough. And I was going to move on to the next story. But then I asked you and Trevor, should I get Disney Plus? Is it worth it? Because we've got Stan. We've got Netflix. I was allowed to have Paramount for a month. And then she took it away again when the month ran out. But everybody since our chat yesterday, and I'll replay a little bit of what Trevor had to say. Everybody's saying, Disney Plus, I've got to have it. That it's got so much good shit on there. Really? Do I need it? I think so. Do I get rid of... Okay. If the Minister for War and Finance and the Leader of the Opposition at home 
says, okay, you're going to do without one. This is what she's like. Can I just quietly say this? Sure. If I can find something, because she does watch things on stand and she does watch Netflix. What's her favorite genre? She likes British crime shows. She watches the ABC a lot. Yep. But BBC? BBC yeah. she watches. Have you given her Brickbox? That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That's the one I meant, Britbox. Yep. She loves Britbox. So I'll say to her, okay, well, you give up Britbox. And she'll say, no, because I watch it all the time. I need to find her something on Disney Plus that'll get her hooked. And then I've got it. I think you will. What's on Dis- what, what is on Disney Plus that's really worthwhile? To- we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later on. But is it really worth it? I think on the surface you go, oh, Disney, that's cartoons, that's family movies. But there's something for everybody there. And I think they've been very clever at providing not just family stuff, but drama, comedy, thriller, crime. you got a little bit of everything there. And original stuff as well that you can't see anywhere else, like Netflix. Okay. All right. We'll talk about that. Is Disney Plus worth getting on? What do, tell me, folks, what do you watch? What streaming services do you watch? And what can you do without? What's what's rubbish? We'll have some fun with that later today. One triple three five three. Now there was something I brought up the other day, but we had Trucky Tuesday, and um, and uh, we got diverted. And look, for a very good reason, we were talking about uh, dead livestock on the road. And if a cow wanders out in the middle of the road and you hit it in your vehicle, who is liable? God, did we get some interesting calls on that? We got a call from a bloke who works, he's contracted to Vic Roads, and his job is to go out and pick up carcasses that have been hit. And he says that every single time in New South Wales and Victoria along the Hume Highway, if a farmer's cow has been hit by a vehicle and he goes to investigate every single time the identification tag on its ear has been cut off. That's so that the owner of the cow can't be identified. I was horrified when I heard this. Anyway, more on that later today, but there's something I brought up and I really want to discuss this because I think this is interesting. I want to talk about your children following in your footsteps now, earlier this week, we were talking about Leighton Hewitt's incredibly talented son, Cruz, who's only 15, and he got a wild card in the Australian Open junior competition. He got beat, but he got beaten by a bloke who was two and a half years older than him. He's, he's only 15, and he's showing enormous promise. Uh, here's a little of what Leighton Hewitt had to say about his son on Channel 9. Son, who, uh, you know, there's, there's a bit of chatter about him already. He starts his tournament today. How, like, genuinely, genuinely, of all the things you've done in tennis and all the times you've sat in other people's boxes, how are you feeling as a dad watching your son in a tournament starting today? Yeah, just unbelievably proud, to be honest. Um, and he wanted me to go out and warm him up. Uh, he's got a coach, Peter Luchak, that works with him, but uh, they asked me la- late last night if I'd actually go out and warm him up this morning on Show Court 3. And uh, just a really special moment. You know, my first ever main draw match at the Australian Open was actually out on Show Court 3 as well. So uh, just some great memories coming back of me playing here. But, you know, he, he's been around the traps, but he's worked extremely hard to get this opportunity. Uh, he's playing well. He's still very young. You know, this is all a learning experience. And that's what the junior event's all about. You know, you want to get the opportunity to play here in seniors one day and uh, he's been fortunate enough to get a wild card and you know he hopefully he goes out there and has a lot of fun today well it's going to be amazing isn't it uh, when one day you might just be calling his match on Rod Laver <laughs> I Arena. don't know if I'll be calling mate. <laughs> yeah imagine calling your own son or daughter uh on on a world stage sporting uh match um it, it just got me thinking 
kids following in their parents' footsteps. Um, I know that um, that uh, Shaquille O'Neal's son is about to play his first season at college at UCLA. Imagine, imagine being the son or daughter of a world-class, world-famous athlete. Um, I know that LeBron James' son is a very talented basketballer. But if, you, if you're not up to your father's standard, are you, are you, have you made a rod for your back your whole professional career? Um, following in your parents' footsteps, let's, take it, let's bring it down a tad. Let me ask you, did you come from a family, a long family tradition when it comes to the workforce? For example, was your grandfather a builder and was your dad a builder? And have you become a builder? Have you followed the family tradition? Was there a lot of pressure on you to become a doctor because your father was a doctor, your mother was a doctor and your grandparents were doctors? Let me know about the pressure that was put on you to follow in your parents' footsteps. One triple three five three. I'd love to hear from anyone who came from a long family of solicitors or lawyers or doctors, and the pressure was right on you to do well in the HSC and go to university and carry on the family tradition, and you went, nah, no way. I'm going to become a plumber. I'm not going to do it. Pressure's too much. Don't want it. Did you follow in your parents' footsteps and kept a family tradition or a family business going? Or did you rebel and run the other way? And what was the family reaction when you didn't follow through? I think it could be interesting. I'd love to hear what stories we get. Following in the family footsteps. And as I say, I just can't imagine the pressure on a talented sports kid who has an extremely famous mother or father, and you follow in their footsteps. It must be very, very hard. Anyway, let's have a talk about that. What did your ancestors do? Was it a family tradition? Did you keep the family tradition going? Or did you do it under reluctance? Or did you run completely in the opposite direction and do something different? And was it disappointing to your family? One triple three five three. I'd love to hear some of these stories. I bet you there are some beauties out there. Look, the quickie continues later this morning. The the uh, the clue is on the podcast. I mentioned that. Um, look, anything can happen. That's the beauty of this program. So why don't you jump on board and share your story? If there's something happening near you, we want to hear about it. If you'd like to create some conversation, well, that's what we're here for. And we've got some terrific. We've got some of the best classic rock you've ever heard. Uh, between now and sun, sunrise today. one triple three five three is the telephone number. Nightshift at triplem.com.au. You can email me, nightshift at triplem.com.au. This is the Night Shift around Australia and around the world on the Triple M Network, independent stations everywhere, and we are streaming live as we speak on the listener app. Australia's national weather coming up soon. We're keeping an eye on Cyclone Kiralee. We'll have the latest on that for you shortly. So we're off and running. One triple three five three. Um, for those people who listen to us in far north Queensland who um, are bracing for the cyclone, uh, tomorrow uh, Cyclone Kiralee is due to make landfall. We will keep you posted uh, throughout the morning. We will uh, continue to cross live to different broadcasters in the uh, on the Triple M network. Um, and we will keep you informed. But I'd like to hear from 
like Scooter Bob was telling us on Monday, was it? This is his 10th tropical cyclone. For our long-term listeners in North Queensland who have been through this over and over and over again, give us a call. Tell us, what is it like? How do you prepare? Uh, tell us what you've been through. Uh, if you'd like to share, one triple three five three is the telephone number. Now, if it's green and it grows, you're going to love this Swift Grow. Um, it's just amazing what this does. And the thing about Swift Grow is that when it gets into your soil, it keeps improving the soil. See, for over 75 years, the world, not just Australia, but the world has developed fertilizers that are too high in nitrogen and phosphates, and it's ruined the soil. And it's been going on for many, many, many years. And what Joe, the microbiologist, the scientist, has discovered is that this swift grow puts nature back into the soil and it brings it back to life. And it continues to keep working in the soil all year round. But you wait till you see what swift grow will do to your lawn, to your flowers, vegetables, indoor plants, hanging baskets. Everything, Swift Grow, and it's used all around the world. This is the best deal ever. It's a five-litre bottle of Swift Grow for just 120 bucks and free delivery Australia-wide. If it's green and it grows, you're going to love this Swift Grow. You've heard people talk about it. Go online and have a look. If you want to get involved in the science, you can do that too. Have a look at the Swift Grow website. It's very comprehensive, very impressive, and we discovered it here on this program. That's why I love it so much. And Joe and his family, well, they're just beautiful. They're like our second family. And Montana, his oldest daughter, she's the one that does the distribution. She's the one on the phone. So if you go on to SwiftGrow now, swiftgrow.com.au, leave a message and uh, Monty will get back to you. You will love this. It's the best deal ever and it will last forever. Five litres of SwiftGrow delivered Australia-wide swiftgrow.com.au. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk. Yeah, so I'm up for a chat. It's a short week. Tomorrow is like Friday. So caller of the week will be announced tomorrow and it could be you. Have you got a story for me? Have you got a yarn? That's what we're all about. We're about uh, communicating and creating conversation. One, triple, three, five, three. Uh, Ralph's online with a family story. G'day, Ralph. G'day, how are you? I'm good. Where are you? Uh, Melbourne East, Victoria. Good on you, buddy. And how come you're up? What do you do? Um, I'm a brawler maker welder. I used to work for my dad on and off for the last 40 years, till seven years ago he passed away. So uh, your, um, da- your dad was a boiler maker as well? Yeah, he was a blacksmith, really. Like he, wow. From Italy, he started working eight years old while his dad was at the Aura War. What, and what did your grandfather do? What did your dad, dad's dad do? Um, it was just mainly um, a labourer and overseas. I'm not sure what he did, but he came here and he worked for Macaray. Okay, but your father was a boilermaker and you're a boilermaker. Was there always pressure on you to follow in Dad's footsteps? Uh, a little bit with Dad sort of thing. He never sort of used to say it because um, I was a bit <laughs> young and sort of wild and, you know, he sort of made me start an apprenticeship. And then... Um, I went and finished it with New Steel in Clayton. We built the uh, tennis centre. Okay. When you look at things that you helped build, and when you – do you have children? 
Um, I've got a son out there, but I don't know where he's. I've got five Jack Russells. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, when you look at something significant that you built, what, say you built the tennis centre. Uh, oh, part of it, yeah. Like, when you look at that, that's going to be looked at, that's going to be there for years and years and years. Does that make you proud? And do you think it makes your dad proud? Uh, yeah, it would be making dad proud now because um, I went back to work. Uh, I was working for the last eight months in Dandenong until I left one job for this company called Maiden Group in NTCM and they did me over, so I haven't got any work no more. That's a shame, but you, you're a boiler maker, and you, I thought you said you were at work now. No, nah, no, nah, I'm at home now. Sort of uh, just stayed up a bit and I'll sleep in because it's going to be warm. So Okay, but you're looking for work. As a boiler maker, I, I would have thought that you'd find work pretty easily. There's not a lot of Australians, especially young Australians, seem to want to get their hands dirty anymore. Well, that, that was the politics of how I sort of got undone and, you know, they sort of said I'm not. I was running my own business in 2001 in East Melbourne in my dad's old premises and um, I've got a lot of wrought iron out there, blacksmith gates and in McGregor Street and all around Melbourne East and Melbourne and Turak. And, yeah, I tried my best. Well, good on you. We need more Australians who are willing to roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty. We have a skills shortage here in Australia. And for some reason, and somebody can ring me and tell me what their theory is, but young Australians don't seem to want to be tradies anymore. And that's where the money is. That's where the money is. I have tradesmen ring me all the time, Ralph, who tell me I'm trying to find young workers. I'm trying to find a young apprentice. Nobody wants the work. Uh, they don't like the the uh, the wages, and of course the wages when you start are fairly you know fairly small. But the promise is, as you learn your trade, you can then earn a lot more money. And the thing is, when you go to university, you come out of university in debt, a hex debt. You get charged to learn at university. If you do an apprenticeship, you get paid. To learn, it might not be much, but you get paid. Yet we can't find young Australians who want to do apprenticeships. Everyone wants to go to university. Um, anyway, Ralph, I hope you find work soon, mate. I'm sure with a good work ethic and all that experience, you shouldn't have any trouble. Okay, thank you so much. Good on you, Ralph. There, you Ralph, a baller making so too with his dad, and that, that sort of makes me think about something else that we should be talking about this morning. If you do create something with your hands, whether you be a, a builder, a carpenter, a chippy, a boilermaker, a welder, it doesn't matter. If you are in the business of creating something, of building something, what is it that you've built that you're hoping generations of Australians will look at and go, wow, what is it that you've built that you are so proud of? Or maybe your dad or your grandfather or your great-great-grandfather built something that's still there that people admire. What was it? One triple three five three is the telephone number. I'd love to hear those stories. John, good morning. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, yeah, good, good. Good on you. Tell, yeah. me, a, tell me a story. What are we talking about? Disney Plus, mate. Is it, your... is it worth it? Oh, everything's worth it, isn't it? Nah, nah, you see, immediately, you don't sound that keen. 
No, no, no. Well, I've watched, uh, I flew over to Perth yesterday morning from Melbourne and I flew back tonight and I binge watched uh, eight episodes of season one of a show called Class of 09. What's it about? Uh, the FBI in America, um, artificial intelligence. Don't want to give too much away though. Well, no, you can tease me. It's a, it's a crime show, is it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it was just different and... Uh, it opens up a big can of worms with the way the world's going at the moment. How did you get onto it? Was it an accident? Did you see a trailer? Did someone tell you about it? How come you binged all that? I just downloaded it. I thought, oh, I'll see what that's about, and uh, downloaded it, sat on the plane, and couldn't turn it off. Wow. You just downloaded something at random. You didn't even know anything about it. No. no. You know what? Sometimes those experiences are the most rewarding. When you, when you just download something, you like the look of it and it's and, and then you can't stop watching it. Usually, stuff I watch, I will watch it because someone's told me, no, word of mouth, someone's told me, oh, you should give this a crack. I very rarely will watch something unsolicited. But you're brave. That's very brave, John. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, only a TV show. Yeah, I know, but you, you downloaded it and watched it on an aeroplane yeah. and you knew nothing about it. No. What's it called? Class of 09. Class of 09, that's Th- correct. Thank you for the heads up, John. Good man. Let, let the wife know. No, she's not going to say yes to that. <laughs> what, I had, what I need to do, John, we need to be very sneaky here. I need to g- somehow get her to watch one thing on Disney Plus that she becomes hooked on. Then I'll have it. Otherwise, she just won't, she won't allow it. And honestly, I believe very much in choosing your battles if you want to win a war. And this is not a war I, I desperately need to win. I want to buy, a, I'm, I'm going to buy a, a new car uh, later on this year. And I know the car I want. And that's the, that's the war I want to win. So I'm happy to lose a few battles along the way. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. I do. Have you ever, have, have you ever done that? Lost, deliberately lost battles because you've got a bigger war to win? Uh, all the time. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll count the biggest one being the first wife versus the second wife. Well, what's happened there? No, no I, I lost the battle with the first wife, but I won the battle with the second one. Are you still friends with the first one? Uh, not really. It can be difficult, can't it? It can be. Three kids. Yeah. Yep. Th- to the first one. Yeah. Uh, you still in touch with all the kids? Everything all right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in touch yeah. with all the kids. They're all good. And so. the second wife, does she get on with your three kids? She loves them. Loves them to death. Oh, well, how good is that? Yeah. It, I struck it lucky with the second one. Yeah, that is really, really good. That is really, really good. Well done. Thank you. Do your three kids from the first marriage live with you as well? No, all grown up, no. All, all grown, grown up, up and gone? gone. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all right, isn't it? Yeah, that's all right. See him, see him very regularly, though. That's fantastic, John. Well done. That's that's a good that's a good result because sometimes it doesn't work out that well, does it? Oh no, there's some people out there that don't see their kids, which is heartbreaking. I know. We we hear from them all the time on this program, and it's very very sad. Very very sad, Jono. Thank you so much for your company. I've enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, good on you, Luke. Have a good night. You too, buddy. One triple three five three lines are available. Is this if you'd like to jump on board and add to the conversation, that's what we're about. This is the night shift on Triple M. Matchbox twenty with the great Rob Thomas.
here on the night shift with Luke Boner. One triple three five three is the telephone number. I get an email here from Trevor. Says, "Don't talk to me about the price of junior sport, soccer boots, shin pads, uniforms, registration, insurance, um, weekend trips away. It is sending us broke, and yet our kids, both my son and daughter, love soccer, but unfortunately." It's cost prohibitive, and I don't know how to tell them that we can't afford for them to play soccer anymore on weekends. The school soccer is a lot easier, but it's the weekend representative soccer that is absolutely killing us. I have two jobs. My wife has one, and I don't know if our kids this winter will be able to play Saturday and Sunday rep soccer. I don't know what to do. What do you make of that? Is junior sport cost prohibitive? Is the cost of junior sport killing this nation? I mean, we need kids playing sport. We need a healthy nation. Why is it so much? I remember, um, are there rorts out there? Are there rorts? I remember when my daughter wanted to do jazz ballet or ballet or something it was. She was in primary school. And she just changed primary schools and she had a new best friend, Thomas, Julianne, her new best friend at this new school and was so keen for her to make friends. You know, when your kids, anyone listening who's had to move and travel and when your kids started a new school, it's all you can hope that they fit in and make friends and are happy because you feel guilty enough that your job has made you change towns or states and you just want your kids to make friends and fit in at this new school. Anyway, she, she made this brand new friend. Her best friend, Julianne. And Julianne did ballet up at the local hall, the church hall. I think it was every Tuesday or every Wednesday or something. And Holly said, can I join? And I said, well, give it a go for a couple of weeks and see if you like it before I invest. (laughs) No, 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 no. The, The other half, her mother at the time said, no, no, no. She wants to do it. We'll do it now. So we go up. And the first thing we're told by the teacher is that Holly had to go to a specific shop at the Warringah Mall and she had to buy, and there was a list, there was a list, I was on a piece of paper, uh, leg, stockings or leggings, whatever they are, the, the ballet shoes, the tap shoes, the tutu, the leotard, there was a whole list. It's $300 worth, but it had to be bought from this specific ballet shop at the big shopping centre down the road. That's what we had to buy in order for Holly to continue to do her ballet with her new friend, Julianne. So what do we do? Of course, we go down to the shop with the list. We then find out that the shop was owned by the ballet instructor's sister and mother. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. Is that... 100% true. Is that nepotism at its finest? There's nothing wrong with nepotism uh, so long as it stays in the family. For sure. But it was over $300 worth of... And guess what? Holly gave it away after two or three weeks. That got bored with it. Oh, after all that song and dance? I have your pardon the expression. That's very good. You missed my nepotism joke. We had to go to a, uh, a Stedford at Penrith. 
she, this at a big hall, and she was in the background pretending to be a tree or something. All right, sure. You weren't allowed to video. You weren't allowed to take photos. You had to buy the video, and you had to buy the photos from yep. the photographer that was there. You couldn't even take your own photos. That's right, because there's someone positioned there to do all that for you, so yeah. you can be there, immerse in it, enjoy the show. Yes, and you were given a number, and then you would go and uh, pick up your video, the little video cassette, or you had to order it in, I can't remember, and get your your photos. You were not allowed to take your own photos at Mrs. Stedford. You had to buy them as well. My yeah. God, strike me. One triple three five three, sporting rorts. That's that's what we should be talking about. Are there sporting rorts out there? Let us know. Join the conversation. Hey, listen. Here's some exciting news from my family at Nature B, and they are family. They are family. Jeff Cook, I've known. This is what is it? Twenty twenty four. Twenty four years, and uh, his daughter Karen is now in charge. And we are family. Nature Bee Power Pollen. To celebrate Australia Day, they've got this unbelievable special. Six-month supply, you get a bonus month for free. And you'll also get the fantastic lip balm. 160 bucks plus delivery. Seven-month supply. That's the kind of power that will keep you going strong right through until August. But you only have until January 31. Power up your health. Nature Bee. Make sure your health is in order. All those vitamins and minerals in the Nature Bee Power Pollen capsules. And folks, it comes with a money-back guarantee. If you don't feel that you have more energy, more vitality, at the end of the jar, send it back. You get your money back. No no questions asked. Powerpollen.com.au. Don't wait. Order it now. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. We'll take a break. Be back. I'll get Thomas uh, a little bit later this morning to go through the Oscar nominations. They're out. The nominations for the 96th Academy Awards have been revealed. Oppenheimer and Barbie, which dominated the, the summer box office, appear poised for multiple nominations. Um, can you go through this a little bit later, Thomas? Have, Ab- absolutely. Have you seen most of the nominated movies? Majority of, not all, but most of. And I've definitely got some predictions of what I think will happen for sure. Okay. All right. When a movie wins an Oscar, it can add millions to its box office receipts, can't it? People will go and see a movie, even if it's nominated. Oh, definitely. And sometimes it might get a second release because of it as well. And then more people go out and see it yeah. either because they want to see it or they want to see it again. What one thing that amazes me is how short-lived movies, uh, what a short life movies have in the box office. It, they don't seem to last as long at the box office as they used to. They go onto streaming services or DVDs. It doesn't last long on the big screen, does it? I remember probably 10, 15 years ago, there'd be a huge gap in between. You, you saw a movie at the pictures and then it'd come out on home release. Nowadays, it's almost instant, and people just go, oh, I'll wait for it to come out on, on your streaming service, on your DVD. It's, it's quicker. We're living in a more instantaneous world when it comes to film and entertainment. And that's why you, you really can't these days compare uh, box office hits 
today to movies of 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. Mm. Because back in the day, and before DVDs and before VHS, it had to stay in the, in the movies, in the theatres, didn't it? That's right. And I think today, what I will say, I love the euphoria or that feeling of seeing, being some of the first people in the world to see something for the first time and that crowd reaction when there's a hysteric joke or a gasping moment. You don't forget that about a film. You've got Best Actor in a Supporting Role and Best Actress. Where's... Oh, so some of the categories are still being updated. Oh, so it's, this, this is live. It's it's happening as we speak. It's happening now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, just keep us up to date, will you? We'll do. All right. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, Ollie's online. Good day, Ollie. Hey, Luke. Long time listener of the show. <laughs> Good on you, Ollie. Well, now you this is this is your first call. No, I've called when I was about fifteen. I think probably maybe thirteen. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> Don't make me feel old, Ollie. Please, you're depressing me. I'm 27 me. now, so... You, you, you first called me when you were 15, you're now 27? Yeah, I remember you saying go to bed, you have school the next day. <laughs> but I haven't been on this program for that many years. Did you call me at another radio network? I might have been, I'm not sure, but I used to, be. to love if, listening if to Talkback tw- Radio growing up. <laughs> if you're 27 now and you were 15 when you yeah. first called me, you didn't call me at this network, you called me at another network. Well, I was in South Australia at the time, so it might have been. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, Ollie, nice to have you aboard. Yep. What did you want to say? All right. So I was going to talk about the topic about how important sport is for kids, I guess. Yes, because I, so, I think it is. But I, more and more Australian parents are pulling their kids out of sport, not because of the violence and the injuries, but because of the cost. And I think it's a worry. Yeah. And like you were saying, like healthy nation, like, you know, healthy kids, healthy nation. Like, so... Growing up, I suffered a lot of anxiety and stuff, and I'm on the autistic spectrum. So I think I was pretty fortunate. I had a really good mate, and he got me into footy. And then back then, I don't know if things were a lot different, but the community used to help out a lot. So I think I remember growing up, like there was always like the mums and the parents always helping out, or the kids were doing umpirings on the weekend, and you played like your game of 16s, and then you played a game of reserves at 16, if that makes sense. Yes. And everyone just pitched in and stuff. And then as I got older, I remember I got to year 12 and I wanted to be in the AFL, AFL industry still. Yes. But the things started changing. So the AFL kind of umbrellaed out to AFL Victoria, AFL South East, mm. AFL Gippsland. So I think just that big brand brought a lot of money into it and that's why I think the prices are going up as well. Mm. And then back then, like, you know, kids used to borrow each other's shorts or their socks or, <laughs> you know, you've got mm, shoes mm, and mm. someone else would have a pair as well, so... Yeah, I think you see, if, for you, it might have been a bit different as well. So. If parents can't afford to send their kids to sport, what's the alternative? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you know, you need to be active. and yes. There is no really alternative besides music, which I love music. But, like, what if you don't really enjoy music, you know? Yeah, what if – I know. You see, I think – and this is only my opinion, and I'd, I'd love to hear from other people – but I think playing sport is more than just the health issue, the running around, the exercise. I think playing sport teaches you a lot about life and, oh. and teamwork and responsibility and your attitude. I, I think that sport is such a great teacher of life's great lessons. This is only my opinion. There's, there's more to it than running around. I, I remember, like, I was coaching under 13s when I was 16, and, like, you know, that leadership skill mm. I learned from, like, teaching Oskik as well, mm. you know. 
and you take those skills that you learn from that sport for the rest of your life, like whatever job it is. Like I'm doing disability at the moment and I'm team leader for two sides. But even when I was doing plumbing, like, you know, you learn that leadership everywhere. Like it takes it everywhere. So mm-hmm. very important. Yeah. Ollie, you uh, fared in, in the draw for caller of the week. And we're drawing yeah. that tomorrow. No, because I think what you're saying is inspirational. You're on the spectrum. You have autism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I would never have I would never have known. You would never tell the way you're talking to me now. What was it like growing up uh, with autism? Um, and when did you first or your family first realise that you had uh, you were special? So I think when I was about three, my mum knew something was a bit different. Like, I wasn't communicating and I didn't talk to her. I was about six. And then she's like, I don't want to treat you any different. So I think, you know, you have the same opportunities as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very lucky, like I said, growing up, I had a really good mate and he was, like, really popular. But he got me into all the things that, you know, were, it was a big struggle for me, but he pushed me to be a better person. So I think having that good support as well makes a big difference. Yes. And then, you know, your interests that you have, like, you know, you take those everywhere. So I was pretty fortunate that footy was my big interest growing up. Yes. And I think that helped me with my motor skills, taught me leadership, taught me a lot of stuff. Wow. And then, yeah, so, and like, that's even like, I guess, like, you know, rugby, football, tennis, any kind of organisation. So, yeah. What advice would you give other parents and other people who are listening to us now who are, uh, with autism and on the spectrum and finding it hard to fit in. What advice would you give them, Ollie, at 27 now? Um, I think, you know, growing up it's hard when you had meltdowns and stuff, but if you understand, like, you know, it's a big sensory overwhelm. So, you know, like, environment plays a big factor, I think. So if you're overwhelmed, you don't get settled. Overwhelmed? What do you mean overwhelmed? You feel that the world's caving in and you can't cope? I think it's just more like, all your emotions just hit you at once. Mm. And then you just have no release. Like, you know, you can't communicate like everyone else and you can't get the word out that everyone else can. Mm-hmm. So I think just finding what you're good at, so your special interests, so you're on the sport, so pursue their interests, so music, sport, art, you know, animals, like anything that keeps them comfort and I think that makes a big difference as well. You're 27 now. Are you in a relationship? Yeah, so I've been dating my partner for about five years and I'm better in primary school, so... And you've Very known nice. her since primary school. That's wonderful. And do you, are you going to have a family? Um, she wants one, but it's a bit overwhelming at the moment. But sure. But just moved back down to Field of Island, so just moved back out of home, and, yeah, it's good. So. One step at like a time. Like I said, like I was very fortunate. Yeah, my mum was very lucky. Like, she taught me, like, no difference. She gave me the same opportunity. She's like, get your motorbike licence, get your car licence. And she only just taught me. She's like, just don't put anyone else got a harm, and that's all I asked, so. You were, yeah. lucky, you, were lucky to, you were lucky to have your mum, weren't you? Definitely. And listening to you on the radio now, she, she probably, I'm sure she says she was lucky to have you. Ollie, thank you yeah. so much for your call and, th- and very brave of you to, to be talking about this sort of stuff and you've done it so brilliantly. Thank you so much. That's okay. I'm a big advocate for disabilities. <laughs> well, you, you keep doing what you're doing. And I love the fact that your partner is somebody you've known since primary school. So, so, so she Yeah, get- very fortunate. She, uh, I was best mates with her brother, but then we lost contact. And then after year 12, because I moved to Fort Lincoln for a little bit, and I come back to Melbourne and got back in touch. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ollie, thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thank you. Talk, talk soon, hey? No worries. I'll give a call soon. <laughs> I hope, I hope you, you do. Thanks, Ollie.
Oh, he's, he's been ringing me since he was 15. He's now 27. Hasn't he come on? And that was very brave, Thomas. That was very brave of Ollie to, to come on and talk about that. But he, look, sport is so important. And I'll say it again, not just because of the physicality, but it teaches you teamwork and it gives you confidence and it teaches you leadership. Don't you agree, folks? One triple three five three. And yet we've got so many kids who are now whose parents are forced to take them out of weekend sports and they just can't afford it. Should sport be subsidized by the Australian taxpayer because it's worth it in the long run? There's my question. One triple three five three. Um, where am I? Tony. G'day, Tony. G'day, Luke. How you doing, buddy? I'm very well. What did you make of Ollie? He was great, wasn't he? Uh, I, I, to be honest, mate, I sort of I zoned out. Oh, you couldn't hear him. Really okay. That, that... I've just been on hold for a while. So okay, Tony. I was looking forward to listening to you. All right, Tony. Oh, sorry, talking to you. Tony, what's on your mind? Um, I heard the way you opened the, the, the show with, um, we're talking about Australia Day, right? Yeah. Well, no. Uh, in, in a lot of companies, you're not allowed to talk about Australia, Australia Day. I am. Yes, I am. I'm Australian. I'm allowed to talk about it. Of course I you respect, are. I respect indi- Indigenous people and I respect their beliefs and their culture. Um, I know I can talk as a white man, Australian, that um, we love our holidays. We love our public holidays and all the rest of it. And Australia Day shouldn't be touched, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sorry. I've got to say now that I believe that Australia Day, the date should be changed. To what? Um, to what? I, it, it, you're probably right, and eventually it probably will be because it's become so divisive. But you name me, what's the alternative date, Tony? I'm all ears. Okay, Indigenous people see the 20, I think it's the 26th of January. Indigenous people see that as Invasion Day. No, they and don't. Not all of them don't, Tony. I'm Indigenous, I'm a recognised Wiradjuri elder. So, uh, Jacinta Price is Indigenous. Warren Mundine is Indigenous. No, you cannot say all Indigenous people see January 26 as Invasion Day. They don't, Tony. Some do. A lot don't. Can you stop interrupting me and let me finish? Some Indigenous... Now, now, okay, now you're talking. You said some. You said all Indigenous Australians consider January 26 as Invasion Day. That's what you said, so I'm correcting you. Okay, well, thank you for correcting me. That's okay. You needed correcting. Keep going. That's okay, Tony. Keep going. Okay. What I would like to see, it personally myself, is um, that date, January 26th, mm-hmm. some Indigenous yes. Australians do not like that. They That's see right. that as Invasion Day, okay? Mm-hmm. So we love our holidays. We love our public holidays. We're not going to get rid of Australia Day, but what is the problem with changing the date? My proposal is change the date. To I what? do not know, Luke, on what the date is. Mm, that's you the problem. That's the problem, Tony. Oh, we're not happy with Australia Day uh, 26. Let's change the date. And, and you give me an alternative date, Tony. I'm happy to talk about that, but you don't know. You haven't thought that through, have you? Yes, I have. Okay, well, I just asked you. What's the alternative date? And you said you didn't know. I can... So I'm asking you again, and I'll say it slowly. Tony, what's the alternative date that you have in mind? Let's talk about that. 
the alternative date that I have in mind mm-hmm. is 1967. But that's not a date, Tony. Goodbye. One triple three five three. 1967 was the referendum that put all Australians, including Indigenous Australians, on the census and gave Australians the right to vote. The 1967 is a year. Um, uh, Tony, ring me back when you've thought it through, okay? Ring me back when you've thought it through. I'm happy to talk about it. 1967. Look, and not all Australians call January 26 Invasion Day. No, they don't. There's a few. It's a minority. But we've changed the whole day for a minority. And we recently had a referendum that clearly showed a majority of Australians did not want to continue with racial division. And the Woolworths and the Bunnings and the other corporates and Cricket Australia are are giving this momentum. So give me an alternative date. Some people say Anzac Day. I'll I'll play with that. I'll I'll, I'll have a think about that because I think Australia Day is a day of remembrance and reverence and not a day of celebration. And some people have said, oh, well, look, look, why don't we have Anzac Day as a day of remembrance up until midday? And then after midday, it's Australia Day. Well, it it kind of is, isn't it? Because people get on the piss, they play two up and they don't really, how many people really think about what happened in uh, in in wars gone past on on Anzac Day today Anzac Day to a lot of people is just a day to get on the drink and play two up, but uh, Tony ring me back when you've thought it through okay one triple three five three is the telephone number I've got a Facebook comment here uh, from Ben just my take on this Australia Day topic I say just keep it the way it is it's annoying that at the start of every year this is the main topic I'm sick of it too. I'd like to change the subject, but Cricket Australia have gone and put this back into the wheels by by saying we're not going to mention Australia Day on the second day of the second test this this coming Friday. But anyway, Ben says it's annoying that at the start of every year, this is the main topic that comes up all the time about changing Australia Day. So why change something that's not broke? And the funny thing is, for all those people who want to change Australia Day, they really cannot come up with another date for it. So just keep it the way it is, as they say. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm sick of talking about it too. I'm happy to go off in another direction. I think eventually the day will be changed if it continues to be this divisive because what's happened now is that non-Indigenous Australians are now made to feel guilty about something they had no say in all those years ago. And why should non-Indigenous Australians who have, whose ancestors have helped build this country since Federation, the migrants that came here after World War II that built this nation, why should they feel guilty this Friday? Why should they? People who are now Australian citizens contributing to this wonderful country, paying taxes, raising children. Why should they feel guilty? about what happened back in 1788 on the 26th of January. Is it time to move on? Didn't that referendum show those councils who have cancelled Australia Day and Cricket Australia and the rest of them that Australia is sick of racial division, that we are all one nation? And if you want to change the date, let's discuss it. But I really would like to discuss other things. I get sick of this every single time you come back from summer holidays. This is the main issue. There are more important issues, I think, 
Anyway, you tell me what you think. One triple three five three. Ben, thanks for your Facebook comment. And if you'd like to email nightshift.triplem.com.au. And excess here on the night shift. I'm just thinking back to uh, to Tony. I had to correct Tony when he, especially when he says uh, all Aboriginal people consider January 26 invasion day, and that's not the case at all. It's not the case at all. But um, I am happy to entertain, and we've talked about this before. The 1967 referendum uh, was 27th of May 1967, and uh, it was a very important day. That that, that to me was the reason we didn't need the, the most recent referendum because it said it all. Uh, in 1967, overwhelmingly, um, Australians voted to change the constitution so that all Australians, every Australian, including Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, would be counted as part of the population and um, that the Commonwealth would be able to make laws for them. And I have an uncle who lives in Dubbo who was actually on the Freedom Bus. And, um, and uh, that, to me... 1967 was the most important referendum. So possibly I'm happy to entertain May 27, 1967, but would that be enough? Oh, that, that, that referendum to me made the most recent referendum um, pointless because 1967 made sure that all Australians, including Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, part of the constitution recognised everybody. And what happened before then was an absolute disgrace that in my uncle and my mother and my aunts and uncles weren't recognised in the constitution, weren't allowed to vote. So maybe 67, 27th of May is a good day. I'm happy to, I'm happy to discuss that. But uh, please, Tony, if you're still listening, don't say all Aboriginals think January 26th is Invasion Day because that is certainly not the case. 13353 is the telephone number. If it's green and it grows, you need Swift Grow, an amazing all-organic fertiliser. Everyone's raving about it. It's in so many countries, the United States, all through Europe, Sri Lanka, uh, farms in Australia. Whole farms are now using Swift Grow, and you can use it too. It's the amazing organic barramundi fertiliser. Everyone's raving about it. This is the best deal ever, a five-litre bottle, 120 bucks, free delivery Australia-wide. It's a genuine saving of 50%. If it's green and it grows, you'll love Swift Grow. Put your order through now. Montana will look after you. Quick break. Be back. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Uh, Anne, good day. Hi there. How are you, Anne? Uh, Sam. Oh, sorry, it says Anne. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, no, I'm Sam. Hello, Sam. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. Sorry, it says, it said, it said Anne. What, no problem. We'll start again. What's up? Uh, well, I've been listening to you for um, quite a while now, and my original issue that I was going to talk to you about, I now have like a three pronged one. I just want to say I have to give a shout out to Ollie. I think mm. that he was absolutely incredible mm. and, and incredibly brave. Uh, and that's exactly what I thought. Um, yeah, just like you said, you know, like that takes a lot of courage to, mm. you know, put that out there and, you know, about sport and finding your passion, mm. which mm. links into what I wanted to talk about. And that was uh, when you were talking about um, tradies. That's when I called up 
Mm-hmm. So, and people, you know, kids going to university. So I'm not, yeah, I live in, um, I'm in the Hunter Valley at the moment, but I live in Sydney and I live in a fairly affluent area, Balmain. So most parents expect their kids to go to university and, you know, qualify as, you know, doctors or lawyers or, you know, whatever. But school just wasn't for my son. And he uh, has, like, for the last 18 months, he was in year nine. Mm. Day a week um, at a joinery cabinet making place that make these beautiful, you know, original tables. Lovely. Um, How good I'll is that? A shout, out, a shout out to three of a kind in Leichhardt. Um, good but- on you. You see, this is the thing. I think so many parents, and maybe some school guidance counselors, I don't know, are, are, are trying to encourage kids to finish their HSC and go to university and get a tertiary education when really some children, some kids are better suited working with their hands and getting out of the system, earning a wage and doing something they really love. Some kids are just not academic and they, and they should be creating things with their hands. You agree? I completely agree. And that was the thing. was always, which is, you know, helping him with what he's doing right now because, you know, obviously you're measuring things. His best subject was always mathematics, but everything else, I mean, he he passed, but he, he never enjoyed school. So Yeah, yeah. No, he's I done the to... right thing, and you are so proud. I'd love to see – we have a Facebook page. I'd love to see some photos of some of the beautiful things he's made. Oh, uh, well, if you want to um, – Five to eight thousand dollars, you know, dining room table. They are absolutely amazing. But what was Sam? I hate to tell you this. You're breaking up. Where are you calling from? Oh, I'm missing every second word. I'm calling from the Hunter Valley. Okay, you, yeah. uh, we'll have to move this along because I'm missing every second word. So, but basically, the I think the lesson you're trying to teach is if your kids have a talent with their hands. Don't keep them in school for snob value or don't think that a tertiary education is the be-all and end-all. Get them into the workplace and have get them being productive and happy. Absolutely. And you know what? I myself have a $29,000 hex debt there from are. the university. And something else that you were talking about, like things that um, people have made that will you know live on forever. Yes. I went to Sydney Uni and my son's father, who... That it was his anniversary on Monday. He passed away five years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. But um, no, he carved the gargoyles on top of you know the buildings of in like Sydney Uni. So really, that is something that will live on in time. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. So his dad was a tradie, a stonemason, and my son Bastion. No, you're cutting out again. You've gone. You there? You there, Sam? Sam, hello. Hello. Yeah, no, you're cutting it. We'll have to leave it there, Sam. No, oh. she's gone. I can't. Sam, I'm missing every second word. I'm happy to continue if we get a better line, but I think you got your message across the line. Thank you so much for your call. I'm sorry. We, we just couldn't hear you. You were cutting out. Um, my mates, this is a long story, Thomas, but my mate's sister 
was married to a bloke who was part of the team that built the new Parliament House in Canberra. And he was a carpenter. And he and his team made the flagpole. The big flagpole on the top of Parliament House. And before they got the cranes and the pulleys in and, and to erect it, he carved his initials in the very top. And they're still there on the top of that flagpole. So every time he, every time he sees Parliament House and sees the flag flying from the top, he knows his initials are in the top of that. That's a good story, isn't it? That's all right. It's subtle. I, I like that. What have you made or what did your dad make or your mum or your, what did your answer? Is there something that's around today? I mean, maybe, maybe you have an ancestor that helped build the Sydney Harbour Bridge. My great-grandfather was a stonemason and he worked on Northbridge in Sydney, that beautiful stone bridge. He helped build that. And every time I cross it, I think my great-grandfather was part of this. He was a stonemason. One triple three five three. I got no, no. I don't have to take a break. I can keep going. Uh, Graham, good day. Good day, Luke. How are you, champ? I'm good, thank you, Graham. Welcome aboard. What's going on? Yeah, third time caller, Luke. Had a couple of talks to you. I was the, the guy that lived in Mossbar, or lives in Mossbar, but went to Chev. So we had a couple of talks about two or three months ago. But um, just a quick story, and I know you talked about how um, fathers and sons did the same sort of trade and so forth. I had a bloke wake me up this morning about half past three and a good friend of mine and we're talking away and he said, what'd you do on the weekend? I said, oh, mate, I cut a heap of firewood. And I said, it nearly buggered me. I said, I was out of nick, you know. Mm -hmm. He said, I'll tell you a story about firewood. Yeah. He said, my two brothers and I, we grew up on a farm at Jugiong. I know where Jugiong is, yeah. Right. And their father was a pretty hard taskmaster. And and I I know the whole family, great family. So anyway, he said to the boys, he said, look, guys, we need to cut a bit of firewood to get a bit of money. If you guys help me and we cut 10 tonne of firewood, I will buy you a, a Nintendo, which was obviously a game for a, mm-hmm. on the TV screen and so mm-hmm. forth. And they said, yeah, no worries, Dad, no worries. He said, so they cut, cut and cut and cut, and they loaded the truck all by hand, so forth. Three brothers, one father, the way they went. Anyway, they went into Canberra. They were taking it to a landscaping yard in Fishwick. So they weighed the truck and so forth, unloaded all the wood. When they weighed the truck off again to get the tear weight, they cut 11 tonne of firewood. Good on them. And the boy, yeah, great effort. The boys were pretty happy. Anyway, the father said, no worries, boys. I will buy you that Nintendo. Yes. And that'll be fine. He said, but yeah. next week, if you cut another 10 tonne, yeah. I will buy you the game to put in, put in the Nintendo. <laughs> But the moral of the story, oh, no, hard man, hard man. But the moral of the story is, yes. two of those boys are builders with their father. Yeah. They own a very successful building company, and I know you're not, you're not allowed to plug anything. Yes, you can. Yes, you go on. A, well, their their company is called Rofe Building, R O F E, Rofe Building in Mossvale. Yes. And I was talking to the oldest boy probably about two months ago. He said we are booked out for eighteen months. Yeah. We're flat, absolutely flat. I said yeah. fantastic. And the other son, a mate of mine, who woke me up this morning, on the, I was pulled up for a sleep at Upper Street. Yeah. He's got a very successful transport company. Yes. He's got four trucks, good drivers, and they're all family men. They've all got children. Yeah. And their father raised them right and, and just, as I say, they all picked up a trade. They're all good guys. They're all responsible guys. And it's a bit of a dying shame that you ask kids today to split a bit of firewood or come on, we've got to go and do this or something a bit hard. And it's really, really sad that they just, 
I just don't do it or, or won't do it, you know? You know what their dad did? He, he said he was a hard man. Uh, but you know what? I think he taught them it's worth working hard for a goal. And he probably helped teach them a work ethic. Oh, 100%, Luke. You know, I have a bit of a saying, hard but fair. Yes, but yes. Their father, Toby, champion guy, he still to this day works very hard, but he groomed those boys and they're all good blokes. They will help you at the drop of a hat. They will always do something for you. And it's just a great family recipe, and I think there should be a bit more of it. I love that story, Graeme. You're in the draw for Caller of the Week as well. Um, thank you so much, Graeme. Always good to talk to you. You you went to Chevalier in Barrel. I did, mate. I did. I, what I year? Was, uh, yeah. I did uh, 80, 81 at Elm Court in Mossvale. Yeah. And I did 82, 83 at Riversdale in Barrel. Oh, yeah. Well, you are way after me. I was there before you. Yeah, yeah. No, we talked about it before. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit behind you. Yeah. Yeah. But all good, mate. Love your show. Listen to it every night. Thank you, mate. And uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, Thanks Graham. Thomas. P- appreciate your support, Graham. Spread the word. Thanks, mate. We'll do, Luke. Thank you, mate. Thank you, mate. Bye, bye. One triple three five three is the telephone number, which is a good topic. What work ethic did your parents teach you? What great lesson in life did your parents teach you? I love that story. Give us a call and share. Um, where am I going? Craig, Craig, good morning. Craig? Yes. There you are. How are you going? I'm good, thank you, Craig. What's up? Yeah, just um, about what your grandparents and parents instill into you and mm. all yeah. that sort of business. Yeah. Um, along the sports side of things as well. Um, my grandfather said, good, better, best, never let it rest until your good becomes your better and your better best. Hmm. And I'll never forget that. Hmm. Um, my father was a brilliant athlete. Um, so was my mother. Um, my children, state athletes all that sort of business, I think if you listen to them and and you get encouragement from that, um, you will be you will be good. Yeah, and, and as we heard from that last caller, if you if you are lucky enough to have a parent that's a great role model, it makes life a lot easier, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. But look, just getting back to sport, it really does concern me that we have so many Australian families having to pull their kids out of weekend sport because they just can't afford it. And I think the repercussions will be very, very damaging. And so let me ask the question of Australia this morning. Should there be more subsidy, better subsidy, taxpayer subsidy for kids to encourage kids to play sport? Or do you think there's enough already? One triple three five three. what's your experience with your children? How much is their sport costing you? I read in the Courier-Mail yesterday that some Queensland parents are forced to make a decision between putting food on the table or their kids playing weekend sport. And that should not be a problem in this country, I don't believe. Craig, thanks for your call. Well, just two seconds, Luke. Um, I was the state athlete 
AFL as well. Yes. And went to the Institute of Sport for Rugby Union. Wow. You were an elite athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And so are my children. But um, my youngest son said to me, um, Dad, do you have any advice? Um, With the sport he's playing, I said, mate, just tackle, get the ball, keep running, have fun, and whatever you do, love your mum. Very good. Well done, Craig. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for your call. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Lots to talk about. This is the Night Shift on Triple M. I remember um, on the Man Cave about a year ago, Michael Hope, the owner of Hope Estate in the Hunter Valley where they have all the concerts, and he had Eric Clapton playing there a couple of years ago, a few years ago now. And uh, Hope, you're telling me how disappointed he was. was. Eric Clapton turned his back on the audience the whole way through the concert and just played to his band and didn't engage the audience at all. I mean, played well, played accurately. I mean, you know, he's a very good musician. He said it was just really disappointing. He just turned his back on the audience and just looked at these other band members and played to his band members. And uh, I was really disappointed to hear that because, I mean, I love Eric Clapton. Have you ever been to a concert and been bitterly disappointed where it just, the magic just didn't happen? I remember uh, Adam McDonald, also from the Man Cave, he went out to Eastern Creek to watch Guns N' Roses. And apparently they were three or four hours late or something. And the crowd were booing, and, and apparently just it was a very, a very, very unfortunate night. You pay your, you pay your money. Should you allow for professional musicians to be in a mood and not feel like it and just go through the motions, or do you think if you're accepting money and you've got twenty thousand people, which were, there was twenty thousand at, at Hope Estate that night, and uh, they just didn't feel as though they got their money's worth. How much should you expect when you pay money to watch a performer? If they don't give their all, if they're not in the mood, should you get your money back or do you just say, well, everyone's human? I don't know, but Hopi said it was very, very disappointing. Hey, if you're like me and you can't stand the pesky summer invaders, flies and mozzies, here's some exciting news for you. This is called, and it's a game changer, it's called The Executioner. It's from Pestrol. It is a bad boy. It is the big daddy of fly and mozzie zappers. And let me tell you, it is a total game changer. It doesn't just repel them. It kills them. It annihilates them. And here is the kicker. If you order the executioner now for only $149.90, my good mate Andrew, who owns Pestrol, he's going to throw in the tennis racket zapper for free. And it's not just practical. God, it's a lot of fun. So why don't you head over to pestrol.com.au, order the executioner, and you'll get the tennis racket zapper thrown in. And by the way, that includes free delivery Australia-wide if you use the code SPUD. SPUD is the code, S-P-U-D. But you better hurry because the offer is only good while stocks last. Don't let flies and mozzies ruin your summer. Get the executioner. Money-back guarantee it works. Pestrol, P-E-S-T-R-O-L, pestrol.com.au.
So there's lots of lots to talk about this morning and uh, call of the week coming up tomorrow. The quickie coming up in one hour from now. The new clue is on our podcast. I think, Thomas, it might go off today, but can I also say this to you, Thomas? Go on. Uh, it's very, very brutal. Very brutal. I play a hard game, Luke. You do indeed. See? Sport's good for you. It is. Go hard or go home. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Now, on Trucky Tuesday, last night with Rod Hanafy, I uh, got a very, very interesting call. Well, in fact, a number of calls on this particular topic, and that is what happens if you're driving along a country road and all of a sudden, and you've got no time to stop, a cow appears, livestock, a horse, a cow, a sheep. Um, Plenty of us have driven on country roads and been confronted with a kangaroo. And unless you've got comprehensive insurance, you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, because no one actually owns the kangaroo. They're wild animals, and they can jump fences, and they can turn up anywhere, and they're not very bright. So they sort of st- they get stunned by your headlights, and if, if you're not very, very careful, you'll hit the kangaroo. I know there are plenty of people listening right now that have done exactly that. But what do you do if you hit livestock? Livestock that is owned by a farmer that should be under control. You hit a cow at speed, you're going to do some serious, serious damage to your vehicle. And, of course, the vehicle's going to do serious damage to the, to the cow. But who's liable? You're driving along, you hit a cow that should be fenced in, and it's out on the middle of a road. Who is liable? Well, according to Rod Hanafy, um, if you can identify the cow and identify the farm, it's the farmer that's liable. And then people were ringing up saying, no, no, no. If they're out on the gistment and they're, they're, be, or they're being uh, under, the, um, under the watchful eye of a drover and they're out on the road, that's not the case. Well, they're still owned by a farmer. I mean, the cow does not belong on the road. It belongs in a paddock. It belongs on the side of the road eating grass. But if you hit a cow or somebody's horse, but we'll just stick with cows, it's the same thing, who is liable? Do you have a right to sue? Well, we got a call from a bloke called Ray who works for Vic Roads. Because Rod Hanafy was saying if you hit the cow, if you can, try and get it off the road. And a cow is a big, heavy beast. If you're on your own, there's no way of moving it unless you can, you get a tow rope and you can sort of pull it to one side. Uh, because then the predators will come down and eat it and the birds and you'll hit the next car will hit them. But he said you've got to look for the tag in the ear. And take a photo of it for your insurance. And then the farmer will be liable for the repairs to your vehicle. And then this bloke, Ray, rang up during Truckee Tuesday and had this to say. Listen very carefully. This bloke is contracted by Vic Roads to clean up livestock carcasses on the road. Have a listen to what he said. I've got a ride uh, like a stock removal business. I put them down, take them away, injured horses. Cows, that sort of stuff. Anyway, yep. part of the job is we've got a contract with Vic Roads. So we often get called out to somebody's hit old mate's cow on the highway. And all the years I've been doing it, there's never been a tag in their ears because the farmers know if they're putting their cattle on paddocks near the highway, they don't tag their cows. For the simple fact... 
Uh, hang on. Cows would be tagged anyway. Are you So the farmers are removing the tags, or are you telling me this, this livestock never had a tag? No, they don't cut out. If I get to an accident, cow's dead on the road or half dead, I've got to put it down. Before I get there, someone's cut the tags out of the ears. 99% of the time, there'll be four people standing there watching what I'm doing, and I'll guarantee one of them's the farmer that owns that cow. But that tag is always removed before I get there. Wow. That is Ray, who's contracted by Vic Roads to go out and remove stock that's been hit and is on the road. And what did he say? 99.9% of the time when he gets to that injured cow, that dead cow, the identification tag has been cut out of its ear. He says it's the farmer that's done it so he can't be identified. Really? These are the things you learn here on the night shift. I had no idea. It's a bit it's a bit gruesome, isn't it? On triple three five three is the telephone number. Have you ever hit livestock? What did you did you did you take a photo? Were you able to identify the, the livestock? Did your insurance pay for it? Did your insurance chase up the farmer? It's just one of those interesting topics that you come across. I didn't realise we were going to go down that path last night, but there you are. Very interesting. Ray from Vic Roads, a contractor. If if you have some thoughts on all of this, maybe you're a farmer. Any farmers that have livestock that could get onto a road, who is responsible if somebody hits that cow and damages their vehicle or suffers personal injury? Because you hit a cow at speed, that's a... That's a big object. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Joe is online. Hey, Joe. Hey, um, showbag. <laughs> that name is going to stick with you forever, brother. I thought you gave that name to Michael Hope. No, 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 no. Okay, no, folks. You, you, folks, Mike, Michael Hope is white ant, and you're yeah. showbag. Okay, and tell the listeners why I'm showbag. Because sometimes you feel shit. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Showbag. He's full of shit. That's very, that's very good, Joe. Very, very yeah. good. What, what's up, mate? Uh, ringing up about the history about uh, following your, in your father or grandfather's footsteps. I love this story. And it, it, it came to me when I was watching Leighton Hewitt watching his son Cruz at the junior section of the Australian Open. And there is a young protege. Apparently, he's a very gifted tennis player. It'll be interesting to see where he goes with his career. But I also thought at the same time, what enormous pressure it must be for the son or daughter of a famous sports person to try and emulate what their parents had done. The the amount of pressure must be enormous. And then I thought, I'll go sideways on it. What about people who have been encouraged to follow in their parents' footsteps with a family business or a profession? And they just don't want to go that way. They want to go in an opposite direction. What sort of pressure are on people in that situation? That's that's how we came up with that, Joe. Yeah, well, that's it. Like you know, father, like father, like son. Yes. Basically, the son's following in the father's footsteps. Or the apple doesn't fall far shadow. from the tree. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like my history is my grandfather used to be a truck driver back in the late forties, early fifties. Yes. And back then, they used to load everything by hand, like 25-kilo bags of flour and everything. They used to be loaded on hand and, like, tied down and tarped and all sort of stuff back in the day. Mm. Um, 
my dad, he didn't actually follow in his father's footsteps, but he actually had multiple jobs. He, had, he was a butcher. He ended up being a cookie. Uh, he actually served in, in Vietnam. Wow. Um, in the in the Royal Australian Air Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still with us. Is yeah, he? Thank God. How old is yep. he now? Uh, he'll be turning 76 in March. Wow. And I turned 51 in March. Okay. Okay. And, and now I've been... I've been doing truck driving for the last 17, 18 years. Yes. And I drive big toys now. I drive B-doubles and road trains. And every time I go out, like my dad turns around and says, you, 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 your granddad would be bloody proud of you, mate. Wow. You, you must be incredibly proud. Yeah. Mm. So, mm. Yeah, so one of those things. <laughs> but uh, I just go out and I do my job the best I can every day like a rail truck driver. Yeah. You okay? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I'm fine. Tell me more about your grandfather. Um, he was a hard-working man. Yeah. Did he talk, um, did he talk about his service at Vietnam at all? Uh, my dad, mm. uh, dad yeah, he's, he does suffer a bit of PTSD because mm. uh, he had a lot of friends in the service and he was stationed up at uh, Laos. Yes. And um, he'll see him go out and sometimes I'd never see him come back. Did he, Tell me, did he ever feel the urge, because a lot of Vietnam vets, a lot of vets, full stop, a lot of Vietnam vets, felt so betrayed by the way the Australian public treated them when they got back, they still don't want to march on Anzac Day. How did your dad feel? Uh, dad still goes out and marches every year. Good on him. Um, even though he's getting up there in age. Yeah. And uh, he actually used to live out at uh, uh, Regency Downs out near Gatton. And when mum and him split up and got a divorce after 50 years of marriage, yeah. uh, dad... Mum actually lived with us temporarily until she started going really psycho on us, and she left, and I basically moved Dad in, and Dad's been with us ever since. Well, anyway, you're a good son, and you're a good grandson. Yeah, I know. And, uh, yeah, I just basically go out and do it every day and just basically big grin on my face and just think of my grandfather. Good on you, Joe. And there's just another topic, too, mate, I just want to come up with yes. uh, about vaping. Oh, okay. I'm happy to switch over to that. Yes. Um, 2018, I found out I had bladder cancer. Bladder and cancer. I, and I smoked for 30 years. Yes. I smoked when I was 16 mm. till, I, till about 46. Mm. I got off the smokes. I got onto vapes. Mm. And I have not looked back since. Yeah. I know, I, know, I know you ear bash it a bit. Um, but oh, it, when I say ear bash it, I always thought that e-cigarettes were there to help people like yourself get off tobacco products. But I don't think that's the case in the majority anymore. The proliferation of these tobacco stores, especially in Sydney, oh God, that, there's hundreds of them within the 25-kilometre radius of the CBD. I don't think they're selling tobacco products. They're selling vapes, in my opinion, with strawberry flavours and banana flavours and passion fruit flavours. And they're aimed at kids who never smoked in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all the pretty colours and all the pretty flavours. Yeah. I mean, 
there are people, there are doctors who will say that they believe e-cigarettes is a much better alternative than tobacco. It is. But there are also people in the medical profession that say, no, they're just as bad with all the heavy metals and the and the carcinogenics that are, and, and the thing is, you can't monitor the nicotine. No one really knows how much nicotine are in these things. Yeah, that's true. They could be dosing them with anything. Yeah, yeah, and nicotine's so addictive, as you know. Yeah, well, I I vape. Um, I actually re- I go through a retail, an actual proper vape store. And do you have nicotine I, in yours? I actually, I've actually got a liter of nicotine at home in my fridge. A liter. And, I, and yeah, I buy a liter. Like I was buying like a liter at a time from overseas. Mm. And basically, one liter would last me about four years. Do you know how much nicotine is in your vape? Uh, there's four mil per every hundred lit- hundred mils. And can, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm I'm ignorant. How does that compare to a cigarette? Uh, well, four milligram in a hundred mil bottle, basically. <sighs> put it in layman terms, I think it'd be equivalent to basically like three packets of cigarettes at four milligrams. Yeah. But it's spread over a hundred mil bottle. Yeah. And you, yeah, every time I use it, I shake it up before I use it. Yeah. Okay. You and you you feel better. Well, look, everyone's different. My yep. concern is these vapes being sold to people who are underage yep. and they are, they've got all these lolly flavors. So they're definitely being aimed at kids. I, this is my opinion. Yep. I think if you're over the age of 18 and you choose to get off cigarettes, and so long as it's very clearly labeled what's in that vape and so that you can make an educated decision on what you're putting into your body. If you're over the age of 18, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, but well, if, if these things, <laughs> if these things are aimed at kids, I, I have a problem with it. Yeah, well, see, the, the main cosmetic makeup to vape juice. Now, you can Google search the names. Uh, there is VGNPG, which is vegetable glycerin mm. and propylene glycol. Mm. Okay, now those two things are usually made in everything. Like, doesn't matter what you eat or drink. Yeah, sure, but uh, I, I don't think it's meant to coat your lungs. Some people can't handle it. Some people can Okay, it's depending on the makeup of your DNA and mm. your body. You mm. know what I mean? Like, I've mm. heard stories where people have actually got popcorn lung. That's it. Yeah, I've heard that. And yeah. all sorts of stuff because they obviously used to smoke. They tried vaping. It didn't work out. And that's it. They've gone back yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, now, I go through a medical every year uh, for my cancer as a follow-up. And I have a CT from basically my chest all the way down to my, down to my knees. Mm. And... Every time I get that done, it keeps coming back clean as a whistle. Okay. But you're an adult. You can make these decisions for yourself. It's the fact that a lot of these vapes are aimed at young kids. That's what concerns me. And uh, the young kids are being sold these things. That's what concerns me. Hey, listen, Joe, got to keep going, brother. All right, mate. Just one quickly thing. What the government should be doing is clamping down on these tobacconists and stopping them from actually selling the vapes and actually putting everyone to recommended vape stores and leave the vape stores alone because at the moment my a friend of mine who I deal with his store is probably going to be closing in March because of new legislation coming in there's a tobacco shop right downstairs and I was in there oh this is a few months ago and a bloke came in who and I shouldn't jump to conclusions but he looked as though he may be homeless 
He was doing it tough. And the guy behind the counter sold him one cigarette. He, the guy said, I just want one cigarette. He couldn't afford a packet. And the bloke sold him one cigarette for $2. That's illegal. Yeah, Lucy. Yeah, that should be illegal. That is, I think it is uh, illegal, or, isn't it? Not that I know of. It was, he, said, he, he said, two bucks. Two bucks. And he sold him a single cigarette for $2. I don't think you're allowed to do that. Yeah, I don't know, mate. But I probably should, should be actually outlawed. Anyway, got to keep going, Joe. All right, thanks, mate. You take care. No worries. And happy birthday to Thomas for the other day. Oh, yeah, he kept it a secret last Friday. Yeah, a little bugger. Kept it a secret. Why did you keep it a secret, Thomas? Oh, I don't want all the attention on me. You I've love attention. Been a party Shut person. up. You love hey, attention. Hey, when my birthday rolls around, mate, I get a I get a happy birthday sung from buddy the morning crew in Brisbane on a, on an email. <laughs> oh, there you go. Sometimes I have to cop it on the chin. Then I don't like I don't like fussing over my birthday either. I gotta be honest. Yeah, I I, I get that. I yeah, I'm over it. And I had a small gathering because I wanted to be able to talk to people mm. and and not be talking and bellowing over music. Yeah, no, it's much nicer. Well, as long as you ended up having a good day. Uh, good on you, Joe. Good to keep moving. One triple three five three is the number. This is the night shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. It is Wednesday, January twenty four. Your rhythmics here on the night shift. Good morning. If um, you've been trying to get through, we have been very, very uh, busy, very full since midnight. But a couple of callers have just dropped out. So if you'd like to call through now on any of our hot topics this morning, please feel free to do so. We've only got one day of the week left tomorrow. Caller of the week will be announced tomorrow. Um, now, Tony, who rang up earlier to talk about Australia Day. Tony, um, Thomas answered the phone. You, you, please don't ring any more, Tony. I, I think you need to calm down. We might give you another crack tomorrow. If you're polite and if you don't abuse Thomas and stop swearing, I think you need a little rest, Tony. Because I'm willing to listen to you, but if, if you become abusive and use that language that you used before, we're going to brush you. I'm happy to have a chat with you. I'm happy to continue the conversation with you. But stop ringing to now. We're not going to talk to you tonight. You need, you, need, um, you need to go for a walk around the block. You need a breath of fresh air. I'm not going to put up with that abuse on the phone. You're all fired up. I'm happy to talk to you on another date, but not tonight, Tony. Just give it a give it a rest. Um, Thomas doesn't deserve that abuse on the phone. Well, he 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 might. But, Depends what I've done, but not from you anymore tonight, Tony. Eh? Depends what I've done. Most people out there are nice to you, aren't they? Everyone's lovely usually. Usually, yeah. Some people are a little bit wobbly, but that's fine. It makes me chuckle. A little bit wobbly. <laughs> Some people are wobbly. Yeah. Yeah. I get wobbly. Did you get wobbly last Friday? Appropriately. Appropriately wobbly. Yeah. Mm. I'm triple, I become bilingual sometimes oh, late on Friday nights. Yeah, I speak Portuguese. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Is your CPAP mask getting old, uncomfortable, leaking air around your eyes? Regular CPAP maintenance is essential to your sleep apnea treatment. Look, folks, you know if you snore. Your partner's been telling you for years that you snore. You wake up the house. It's not good for your health. Um my dad, dreadful snorer, and he wasn't overweight at all, but he had sleep apnea. Mum used to say he'd stop breathing for 90 seconds, and often when we were kids, dad would come upstairs. He'd been asleep in the guest room in the office because he'd been kicked out of bed. If only we'd known back then 
how dangerous sleep apnea can be for your health. So we do know now. So get yourself tested. The folk at Sovey can look after bulk billing for your test. Contact the experts and ask about a CPAP mask. Now, if you already have a CPAP mask and your, your mask is getting old, I recommend Sovey CPAP. And this month you can get a ResMed Air Fit or Air Touch mask and a bonus cushion package for $169. It's a saving of $75 only at Sovey CPAP Clinic. And the offer ends Jan 31 and there are T's and C's. Sovey, S-O-V-E, stop snoring. CPAP is used for obstructive sleep apnea treatment. Always follow the directions for use. And when considering whether CPAP is right for you, speak to your doctor. I don't want to spend too much more time on this because it's just, a, it comes up every, this time every year and there's no solution. Hopefully one day there will be. Um, Rod, good morning. What did you want to say about Australia Day? Uh, mate, well, I had one idea when I was yep. talking to Tom yeah. about going back to just having the holiday on the last Monday in January like it used to be. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so not have, it, would... not have it on a specific date but just the last... Yeah, because I think it was Paul Keating that decided we would start celebrating Australia Day on January 26th itself. I yeah. think it was him. Was I think it? it happened in the 90s. Right. And I remember the bicentennial, and that was 1988, and there was a huge advertising campaign. That, you know, uh, remember everybody singing out of Ayers Rock? Doug Mulray was in it, and uh, Rick Price was in it. Um, and then there were huge protests on that day. So eventually I think the day will be changed. And, and a lot of people have said, well, make it New Year's Day because that was the first day of Federation, 1901. That's what I said to you the other night. But no one will wear that because it's already a public holiday. Listening to you this morning, I like your idea of May 27. Well, that was Tony, exactly. and I'll go with that. May 27, 1967. For exactly the reason you said why, because that was the referendum that counted it. We didn't need the last referendum. 1967 covered it. The other option is, the way I look at it, do it the way the Yanks have done Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving's never on the same date in America, yeah. two years running. Yeah, yeah, It's always on the third Thursday of, of November. Yeah. Or October, whatever month it is. Yeah. But it's always the third Thursday. I'd like to know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask James Morrow, the national uh, political uh, editor for the Daily Telegraph, because he's American, born, bred New York. Because I still think, and if there are any Americans listening to me now, please ring in and educate me. But I've got a funny feeling that the indigenous Americans have a problem with Thanksgiving. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. I think so. I read that, that some Native Americans have a problem with Thanksgiving. It was, it was all, Thanksgiving was fantastic for the pilgrims and the white people, but not so good for the Indigenous Americans. But I could be wrong. Um, any Americans that are across this, tell me, Thanksgiving, and Rod's brought up a really interesting point here, because Thanksgiving is the biggest national holiday in the United States. And it is much, much bigger than the 4th of July. It is much bigger than Christmas. And um, it's interesting, right, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the other thing that 
you evoked in me when you were talking about it is this whole um, media circus, and, and it is a media circus, the Australian, the Australian Day thing, because it's always driven by the media prior to Christmas. Because I first uh, heard it being spruced on one of the morning shows or the, something like the, the, the that, that no, show Whatever, on, yeah. But I don't know if it's all media. I mean, you've got 61 councils around Australia who took it upon themselves to cancel citizenship ceremonies and cancel Australia Day celebrations. So the me- the media reporting on that, is that a media beat-up? No, that's not a media beat-up. That's the media doing their job. So is but, it... Yeah, that, those councils are the... Are the, are the ones, and I hate to use this term, Luke, but they're virtue signalling. You know that, and I know that. Right? They're trying to keep everybody happy. They're trying to not offend the people who claim to be offended, but they're going to offend everybody else in the process of not offending that small minority. Okay, tell me, why is Cricket Australia going down this path? Well, Cricket Australia have actually done a backflip. They've done the backflip now, have they? They've done the backflip. They are going to... Uh, and uh, recognise Australia Day on Friday. Okay. And, and, right. Okay. Uh, and that was probably because of the media. Because of the me- because of because of the backlash they got. And speaking of cricket, Australia, I know he's everybody's favourite person in the country this year. But seriously, Pat Cummins has got to get his head out of his ass and stop sticking his nose in a political political things. His job is to be the captain of the Australian cricket team, not to come out in the press and start saying, oh, we should be doing this, we should be doing that, we should be doing something else. Alinta Energy doesn't sponsor the, the test team anymore because Cummins had a, had a problem with them um, using fossil fuels. Right? He's come out now and he's turned around saying that he, that he supports the changing the date of Australia Day. It's got nothing to do with him about who changes the date of Australia Day. His job is to captain the cricket team. That's what he needs to worry about. He's getting paid the best part of a million dollars a year to play sport. Uh, well, people like you and me have got to go and actually work for a living in a real job. Yeah. Pat Cummins, eh? He has called for a change to the date of Australia Day, and he backed Cricket Australia's decision not to use the term Australia Day in marketing for the Brisbane Test. Cricket Australia has chosen not to brand this week's second test against Wendy's the Australia Day match or use the term at the Gabba on day two on January 26th. This is... Uh, 11 hours ago on the ABC website. So, Cricket Australia, you're telling me they've backflipped? Well, according to, according to what I heard on the news. Okay, I'll find out because I'm just looking here on the ABC website 11 hours ago. So, if that's changed, that's interesting, and I bet you that was because of the media. But, Pat Cummins, do we want our sports leaders getting involved in political affairs? And you're saying and no. 
I'm definitely saying no to that. Yeah. And one last thing, Luke. Oh, hang on, hang on, me. Rod, stay there. No, don't, don't, don't go because I've got Mel who wants to talk on this, and I'd like your thoughts on what Mel has to say. Mel, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mel. I'm going to keep Rod on the other line. Mel, what did you want to no. say? I do think we should change Australia Day to 1st of January. I know it's already a public holiday, but the main reason people don't want to change to that day is because they're losing the day of drinking and celebrating. Hmm. I think, you know, people's First Nations feelings and that should trump people wanting to have a beer or two. Like, do you know what I mean? It just seems ridiculous that everybody's fighting about a date you know, half the population are, are sad about it. The other half are like, oh, who cares? Like, it's Australia Day. It doesn't matter. Obviously, it does matter to some people. Like, I'm not an Indigenous person. My daughters are, though. But, you know, out of respect for them and their culture and what happened to their ancestors and them, I don't feel like celebrating the day that they lost everything. Let me ask you both this. Mel, thank you for calling in. And hopefully Rod's still there. Are you there, Rod? Okay, some people say Anzac Day. Now, let me ask you this. I'll ask you first, Mel. Do you think most Australians look at Anzac Day the way it should be looked at? In reverence, remembrance? I get really emotional on Anzac Day because I I know what my pop went through at Villas Bretno. He came back a broken man. So I can make it really personal. And I look at the people marching who sacrifice so much so that we can have these discussions on the radio. If we, if you know, if if we would, if we were, uh, if I was on air in China or Russia, do you reckon we'd be, I'd be able to do this radio program? The answer is no. So I get very, very emotional about Anzac Day. But do you think most people are like me, or do most people look at Anzac Day as a day to get on the drink and play two up and 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 get pissed? Mel, you first. My generation, yeah, I do believe that, I, which is sad because we're not all like that. I do think a lot of public holidays like Anzac Day, Remembrance Day, you know, are all used as, yeah, let's have a drink, let's have a barbecue, let's go down to the river. They're not actually celebrating the day and the meaning behind it. They're just celebrating to celebrate. Rod? I could, could not agree with Mel anymore. I'm, I'm like you, though, Luke, because I'm of the same generation of you. It has a hell of a lot of significance for me. My grandfather fought in the war. My father-in-law fought in the war. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're both Anzacs. And, my, and my, uh, my, my son fought in the Gulf. You know, so... See, on Anzac Day, and during COVID, where no one could go anywhere or do anything, we had an Anzac Day remembrance service at the foot of our driveway and we invited the neighbourhood and guess what? Nikki and I had no idea who was going to turn up. We put a little letter in all the post boxes and all the letter boxes in our street and the street behind. And we rolled up a little sprig of rosemary and we asked, we said we can't go anywhere. COVID's locked us down, but we can still show the respect to our diggers and the people who made this a great country by getting together with a candle at the end at the end of your driveway, please join me and Nikki. And see, my Nikki, she plays the flugelhorn and the trumpet cornet, and the bugle, and she plays the last post beautifully. So I got a picture of my pop, and I put a candle in front of it, and we went down to the end of our driveway for Nikki to play Revel- Revelry and the last post at six o'clock. And when we walked down our street 
was a river of candles. Everybody turned up. It was so emotional. And right at six o'clock, the kookaburras started making their noise and Nikki played the last post. It was just fantastic. And to me, I felt it was particularly because of COVID where we couldn't go and do anything. To me, it just demonstrated how we do come together for the important shit. And I got emotional and everyone in the road got emotional. And to me, that was Australia Day. Am I making any sense? Yes, you are. But it wasn't a celebration. It was how lucky are we? And even though COVID has has said we can't go to a dawn service down at the RSL, we can still all get together here. That's what, I don't know. They're forgetting that. They're forgetting what Australia Day actually means and it is divided and... You know, we can't deny the fact that a lot of trauma did happen back then and still, you know, generational trauma, unfortunately, is still a thing. It's still happening. People are still hurt by it. So why not just change the date instead of arguing about it all the time, always trying to stop everyone's opinions? No, you can't do it because of this or you don't do it. The only trouble is we're struggling to find a date that everyone will agree on. And then and Tony, who rang earlier before he became abusive, you know, May 27, 1967 referendum, maybe that's the day. Maybe the 1st of January, as you say, Mel, the, the celebrating Federation, which was uh, 1901, Australia, it was the 1st of January. Maybe that's the day. Rod, is it time to find a date that we can all agree on? Or, Rod, do you think we'll ever find a date we can all agree on? spoke to you the other night, mate, about my opinion, I reckon we should get rid of all public holidays, because if you're going to use uh, being being offended as the criteria, well then, they all they all offend somebody, because yeah. we, only have, we only have public holidays for one or two reasons in this country. One is to celebrate British, the, 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 the British, British Empire. The, the, the British Empire, or two is to celebrate the Christianity, well, you know, with we're not just Christians in this country. We've got people from all all uh, religions in this country. So all the Christian holidays have got to be offensive to the people of the other religions. So all public holidays are going to be offensive to somebody, is Rod's point, Mel. Mel, thank you. Yeah, I agree. Mel, thank you so much for your call, Rod. Always good to talk. All right, mate. Just before Bye. I go, there's one other, one other point I want to make. These people that are complaining about Australia Day and want to change the date and everything, they remind me of the people that want to that want to change from a constitutional monarchy to a republic. They want to do it, but they've got no option. They've got, they've got no alternative. Not, they, they, they've got this idea, but they've got no plan of how to implement it. Well, I've got the plan for the constitutional monarchy and for the, the people that want the republic. Go the whole hog, don't go halfway, go all the way. Become a republic and secede from the Commonwealth at the same time. Become an independent republic. But they don't want to do that because they want to have the backing of the British Empire and they also want to be able to still go to the Commonwealth Games. And win all the gold medals. Stars and the, and the medal count. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rod. Thanks, mate. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Okay, I hope so. Mel, thank you. No worries. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear, oh dear, eh? I think we'll leave it there. There are other things to talk about. One triple three five three. This is the night shift. The night shift 
on the Triple M Network. You too, here on your radio, Wednesday, January 24th, sounding and feeling a little bit like a Thursday. It's the second last day of the week for us, for Thomas and I. We won't be here on, on Friday. Hey, listen, to celebrate Australia Day, Aussie hoses are giving away this huge six-foot Australian flag, and it's free for every purchase, but there's only 20 every day to give away. So Aussie hoses, this is the best hose you'll ever, ever use. We've got three of them. And it's it makes watering the garden a breeze. It makes washing the car fun. It doesn't kink. It doesn't get tangled. And it goes back into its little housing with just one click. It retracts. And it's so simple. And it comes, if you order now, and we've only got 20, if you order now, uh, 169 is the Aussie hose. They come to your house anywhere in Australia and they actually fix it to a brick wall for you. They'll install it. You get the six-foot waterproof Australian flag and you get the bonus trigger nozzle with the eight-spray option absolutely free. So don't miss out. The famous Aussie hose retractable garden hose. Aussie hoses. And the number is one three hundred three eight four one six five. If you leave a message, they'll look after you. Two year warranty on this, folks. Aussie hoses, A U S I E hoses, Aussie hoses. One three hundred three eight four one six five. One three hundred three eight four one six five. Ring them and tell them I sent you. Quick break. Be back. The quickie is next. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sweet Caroline, um, written about Caroline Kennedy, who's the Australian US ambassador. Um, fancy having a song like that written after you. How good would that be? Um, why is, where did the resurgence come from? At my daughter's wedding, the band, that live band, who was very good, they played, they were a great cover band, and people got into the, the live music. But when they played Sweet Caroline, the whole joint went mad. And always, what whenever, is it? when everyone says Sweet Caroline, everyone has to follow with da, blah, blah, da, da. Blah. I think that's a, there's a scene in the movie Ted where yeah. there's a whole bunch of Ted's at the Comic-Con and the bloke trying to chase him, he says, Sweet Caroline, and of course it's only Ted that goes, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> that's right. What is going on with that song? And they it's play a, it at sporting events. They play it at weddings. They, it's the it's the number one karaoke song in Australia. All of a sudden, it's a great song because everybody gets involved. Yeah, yeah, especially in that part. Yeah, good times never felt so good. So good, so good. Everyone does that. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a phenomenon. Yeah. What else is up there with the biggest karaoke songs? Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, is there a Google site? The biggest, the, the biggest karaoke, the most popular karaoke songs. There's bound to be a website that will tell us. Yeah. From your observation, what do you reckon is one of the biggest? Well, it's Squid Caroline at the moment. I don't do karaoke, mate, so I don't go to many karaoke places. Um, he was just talking about how the soundtrack to uh, Titanic went to number one on this day back in whenever it was. Celine Dion, that's a popular karaoke song. What else does it say? 
Oh, there you go. Bohemian Rhapsody and Sweet Carolina Wait, at the top. Is Bohemian Rhapsody number one? It is number one. Number three, and I've done this pretty well as well after a few yep. sprites, Dancing Queen by ABBA. Is that number three? That's number three. Yes. Uh, Wonderwall is up there. Mr. Brightside. My Way, Frank Sinatra. Oh, My Way would be huge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Love Shack. Is that up there? Yeah, I Will Survive, Riptide. Oh, I Will Survive. That's, that, that's the women's lib song, Gloria Gaynor. Yeah. 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 Those are, those are all the top ones. But the number one is what? Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And number two is Sweet Caroline. Yes. Wow. The more you know. What, what karaoke song gets you when you go along and you think, there's no way I'm getting up there, I can't sing to save myself, and then next thing you know, you're up there. What's your karaoke go-to? One triple three five three is the telephone. Have we got the um, Oscar nominations? Have we got the whole list? That I do. That right. I do. All right, we'll go through that in just a second. The quickie sounds like this. It's a toughie. That's the quickie. The first clue was 1970s. That's right. The clue for tonight or today is it has a connection to a science fiction novel. That's right. Really? I didn't know that. It's funny because last week, both our quickies had connection to films. Now we're going back even further. This one has a connection to a book. This has a connection to a science fiction novel. It was a big hit in the 1970s. Massive artist. What's the quickie? One triple three five three is the telephone number. Let's get to it. And after all that karaoke talk, just because I can, because I'm in charge, I've got to play this. Yeah, I had to play it. All that karaoke talk. That's number one. What was it? Where was it? Okay, the quickie sounds like this. Clue one, 1970s. Clue number two, it has an association with a science fiction novel. Um, go your hardest, Andy. What is it? Hey, look, um, I was singing Man from Man, Blinded by the Light. No, we, no, someone tried that yesterday. And I, I actually found the song and played the whole seven-minute version yesterday because I like it so much. Ah, that's a good quote. Yeah, but no, it's wrong. <laughs> no worries, thanks. Okay, Andy, uh, let's keep trying. I've got to get a winner. Todd, hello. Hey, buddy, how you going, mate? Good, what's the quickie? I'll give you another listen. What's this? 1970s, an association with a science fiction novel. Well, I'm thinking the novel is Tall Glide to the Galaxy, and I think it might be David Bowie's Space Odyssey, but I might be way off. That is a really good guess. That is the guess of the week, but unfortunately, it's not right. Ah, oh, no worries. No, really, mate, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Nah, no dramas, mate. Have a great morning. You too, brother. A really good guess. Jeff, hello. Well, hello, Mr. Oh, Boner. shit. <laughs> oh, well, hey, I bought some Pestro, not Pestro, I bought some Swift Grow the other day. Have you started using it yet? Well, no, because we've had that much rain up at home, uh, the grass hasn't stopped growing. But I tell you what, if you are expecting some rain, it's a good time to put the Swift Grow on because then you're sure that it will penetrate down into the roots. Just, just a, 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 yeah, you are going to love it. You are going to love it. Jeff, did you, oh, look. Even though you annoy the sh- the hell out of me, <laughs> I would have given you some. I w- if you win call of the week, you get some. I know, I know, but oh yeah. no, you you will love it. You will love it. It's Australian. 
and it's nature. It's like nature bee for your soil. I've got a photo here. I've lost it. No, I found it. Stay there. Stay there. Don't go away. I've got a photo here that someone has sent in, Jane, J-A-Y-N-E, on Facebook. And she says, look how tall my gladdies are, thanks to Swift Grow. She's got one of those, what are they called? Um, it's a Calibon fence. It's a Calibon fence. Yeah. How tall are they normally? Six foot? Yeah, six foot, yeah. Maybe a bit more? Mm-hmm. Depends what you want. It's taller than her Calibon fence, and it's bright, bright red. It wow. is It is the best gladi I've ever, ever seen. Unbelievable. Uh, Jane from Facebook. It is. It is unbelievable. People who subscribe to the Night Shift Facebook page, they'll see it. It's SwiftGrow. SwiftGrow.com.au, folks. Get it into your soil. You'll love it. Jeff, do me a favor. Have you got one plant in particular that needs help? No, not really. I just got the grass needs a bit of uh, assistance in some areas. Oh, well, this will do it. But I just thought it'd be fun. If you've got one plant, maybe it's in a pot, maybe it's in the garden, give it some extra Swift Grow love and take a photo and then take me, send me a photo a week later. <laughs> right. You'll be okay. amazed. I'll have to, I'll have to find me dope, not me dope plant, um, the other one. Yeah, no, you'll, yeah. You'll, be, you'll be absolutely amazed. How much did you buy? How many litres? Five litres. Oh, okay. Do not make it stronger than the uh, instruction. No. Say, no, it's tempting mm-hmm. because you'll put it in your watering no. can and you'll go, that doesn't look dark. Nah, it, no, it, it's there. Don't, don't, because it'll last forever. Mm -hmm. Swiftgrow.com.au. Unbelievable. And sorry, Jeff, back to you. Anyway, yeah, back to the, uh, the quickie. I'll give it another bash. So it's Supertramp Dreamer. No, it's not. Oh, that's all right. Here it is again. Has a connection to a science fiction novel, according to Thomas. Talk tomorrow. See you, mate. Bye-bye. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Hey, Josh. Good day. How you going? Good. 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 I was on the quickie. Mm. I was thinking Dreamweaver. Yeah, Gary Wright. Someone said that the other day. Good guess, but no. No. All good. Thank you very much. Hey, Josh. Yeah. Do you ever go to karaoke bars? Not very often anymore. No. <laughs> How long ago? When was the last time? Oh, a couple of years now. And what was the, what was the, did you have a crack at it? No, no, no I didn't. I no. know, I wouldn't either. <laughs> Can you believe Bohemian Rhapsody's number one? I can't actually. I was, I was a bit surprised with that one myself. And sweet. It's, a, it's a bit of a difficult song. No, but when, you, when you're on the drink, people don't think it's difficult. That's the problem. Mm. It's like when people ring this radio program, like some bloke earlier today, um, and, and they're on the drink. Sweet Caroline, that's a bit overdone now. I remember listening to that when I was a child. Oh, yeah, but it's, but it's had a, a huge revamp and it's played everywhere. They played it at my stepdaughter's wedding and it, yeah. it, was the, it was the song of the night that went off. Now, my stepdaughter is 35, so most of the guests, except for the oldies, yeah, the, the, me and her father and and her father and his father and mother and that but most of their guests their friends that was the song that brought everybody to life can you believe it wow i know unbelievable hey joshy boy you have a good day you too mate thank you very much see you mate bye-bye good day al yeah talk to me al how you going there, luke good thank uh, you 
I think the the uh, science fiction novel is Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yeah. And because Rick Wakeman was a member of um, Yes, and he had an album, Journey to the Center of the Earth, so I think it's under a lonely heart, yes. No, but a great thought process. No, you're wrong, Al. All right, thanks, Luke. Have a good night, you, you have a good night, too. One triple three five three is the telephone number. That's the quickie. 1970s, a science fiction novel I've never heard of. I haven't read this. When you, re- you realise what it is, it will hit you and you go, it could have been anything, has, has it, but it's this. Has everybody read this novel? Is it's it, very well known. Is it? It's up there with the greats of... No, well, don't give it away. Yeah. Was it taught at school? Was it one of those compulsive reading school novels we had to read? Quite possibly, yeah. All right, okay. I believe you. I have no idea. This is your baby now. I didn't know I was a father. (laughs) It's a frightening fall. Join the club. (laughs) The Night Shift, Triple M. I think at the beginning of the week we had a – someone guessed – that as the quickie. No, 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 no. Song is a 70s hit. It was a huge hit in the 70s. The artist is a massive artist. And uh, it sounds like this. And clue number two, it has a relationship with a science fiction novel, according to Thomas. Corey, hello. How are you going? Good. Good. 1984 uh, by David Bowie. No. It's not. I'm sorry, David. Hello. How are you? Good. Um, I'm going to say the Steve Miller band, the Joker. No, it's not. But what a good song! It does sound like it too, David. That's very good. Uh, g'day, Muzz. Where are you? Uh, yeah, I'm in the truck at the moment. Yeah, in Truckanina. Okay. Yeah. Uh, White Room uh, Cream. Yeah. 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 Yeah since we started this quickie on Monday. Have we? Has someone had the right artist? I can tell you at least one person has. One person's had the right artist. Okay, yeah. so we haven't had an avalanche. No. No, all right. Uh, folks, the Oscars, the 2024 Oscars, the final nominations have just been released out of the United States of America, and we've got them here for you. And Thomas, who is our thespian, you are. I wouldn't go that far. Well, thespian-ish. Enthusiast. He has thespian tendencies. You you wanted to be on the stage once, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I, I dabbled in theatre. I've done a bit of Shakespeare. Have you? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I don't care. Hamlet, yeah. Hamlet? Yeah. Neither a borrower nor a lender be, for a loan oft loses both itself and friend, and borrowing dulls the edge of husbandry. This above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day, for thou canst not then be false to any man. There's something beautiful about Shakespearean language. My dad taught me that. It's the best advice. Yeah. It's the best advice. Neither a borrower nor a... Don't, don't lend, don't borrow. And this above all, be, be true to thine own self be true. Mm. Mm. Hey, listen... Forget all that. I don't know why I burst into Shakespeare then. That's bit, it was great to witness. It was a bit weird, wasn't it? It was. It was a little bit weird. The Oscars, 2024 Oscars. Folks, here are the nominations for the big categories, okay? We won't go through all of them. Take us through it, Thomas. Best Picture. 
Best Picture, we got American Fiction, Anatomy Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Life, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. I've seen about four of these. Is that an unusually large list? It, it does look a bit more heftier than usual. Jeez, if you're in the finals, you go, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you got some competition. American fi- I haven't seen any of them. I have not seen any of them. Proud to say I haven't seen Barbie. You have. <laughs> I, I, I saw it. I thought... Retrospectively, it's a movie. I'll probably never see it again, but it was an experience. But really, does it deserve best picture? Someone thinks it does. No, the Academy votes for these things. Really? Are you going to tell me that Barbie is up there with the other great motion pictures in the history of the Oscars that have won? I'll tell you what's deserving out there, though. Past Lives was fantastic. Don't know it. It's um about it's it's a lovers meet story and they're separated for years and years and years and years and then they come back and meet each other again and the way it's done is fantastic. Highly recommend it. Oppenheimer, amazing. And if you know the story of the atom bomb and how that all came to be, sensational. And I reckon my bid is that Oppenheimer will win. Okay, I just can't get. I mean, I haven't seen Barbie, so I mean, I'm, I'm not allowed to uh, to comment. Really, I can't. But <laughs> really, the much. Barbie movie, the Mattel sponsored Barbie movie, is a possibility for Best Picture. Apparently, really, apparently, Best Actor in Leading Role got Bradley Cooper in Maestro, Common Domingo in Rustin, Paul. I hope I pronounce this right. Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers. Cillian Murphy in Oppenheimer and Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction. Uh, Cillian Murphy was, again, fantastic in the role he was playing in Oppenheimer. Best Actor in Supporting Role, Sterling K. Brown in American Fiction. Robert De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon. Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer. Ryan Gosling in Barbie. And Mark Ruffalo in Poor Things. Okay. Um, Haven't seen any of them. I mean, I love Robert De Niro. You're very with the times, aren't you? No, I'm not. I don't go to the movie. I, I haven't seen any of these things. Um, here's my question for... Uh, sorry, where are you up to? Uh, best actress in leading role. Best actress? Got Annette Benning in Nyad, Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller in Anatomy of the Fall, Carrie Mulligan in My Stone, Emma Stone in Poor Things. Right, here's my question for you and my listeners. If in this woke world in which we live, full of virtual signalling and all that, mm-hmm. I've been told that women no longer want to be called actresses. They're actors. Everyone's an actor. That's and it's right. true. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. There should be no gender. You either are a great actor or you aren't. You're an actor, not an actor or an actress. Why do they have separate categories? Why isn't it just best actor and you have women and men in there and whoever was the best actor in that movie that year wins best actor. Why are there separate categories? You know what, Luke? I think we will see the day sooner rather than later. Actually, we don't. Where it's just best actor's category and that's it. Shouldn't it? When we have a best actress supporting role, best actor supporting role, actress. If they're all actors, why are there separate categories? Shouldn't it just all be one category? You're either a best supporting actor or a best lead actor, and that's it? I think that's What do my listeners true. think? One triple three five three. We 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 get we get this stuff thrown down our throats that gender equality is all this and it shouldn't matter whether you're male or female or in between or what. You're either good at your job or you're not. 
Well, why do we have separate categories in these things? Shouldn't it just be best actor? I think so. Do you? Yeah. And Barbie? Really? Possibly best movie? Really? When you think about all those great movies? I'm telling you now, I said it before, I'll say it again. Christopher Nolan will get best director for Oppenheimer. Uh, I reckon Robert Downey Jr. will win will win a best actor in supporting role for that film as well. Okay. Those are my two bits I'm putting out there. If anyone out there in Triple M land has seen any of these movies, I've seen none of them. Tell me what you think. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten movies up for best picture. And one of them is Barbie. It's Barbie up there with the Godfather. Seriously? I don't think so. I nearly, I nearly said a bad word there. It's watching you. <laughs> no. I very nearly said a bad word. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Now, getting back to Trevor Long yesterday. Trevor Long, our tech guy, came on to tell us that, you remember last year Netflix changed the rules and you couldn't share passwords anymore. You had to sign up separately for Netflix. And I get that. I mean, I, I, I thought it was a bit of a bonus that you could share it in the first place. Well, he told us that Disney, the Disney Channel, is going to do the same thing. That's right. And the, the whole purpose of it is to stop people rorting the system and it's to get people to sign up for their own individual subscription. But the great thing is with this, based on what you watch, it can recommend you things to watch from there. Okay, let's have a quick listen to what Trevor Long said yesterday here, at Trevor Long from EFTM on the Disney Channel. Yeah, we, we suspected that someone else would follow after Netflix yep. did it last year. So this is the idea that you've got your Disney account and you're watching your TV, but your mother-in-law or your brother or someone who lives somewhere else in a different house is also using your username and password to access Disney+. Plus and they've got their little icon and you, you never see each other's content, but they're, they're happily using your account. Mm. Well, Disney this week updated their terms and conditions because you can't just suddenly tell people no without it being in the contract. Well, the contract has been updated, so the uh, the terms and conditions essentially of use. And by continuing to use it, you are adhering to the terms of use. I'm not a lawyer, but if you're struggling with this, get one. But bottom line, within, I can't imagine it'll be too many months, they're going to start cracking down, kicking people off Disney Plus because they're not in the same household as the account holder. And um, that's going to mean people are going to have to sign up for their own Disney accounts. Uh, and it's really kind of stabilizing the market in terms of streaming so that everyone who's watching streaming is paying for streaming and maybe just maybe that'll um, stabilize prices as well. Trevor Long from EFTM on the program yesterday. So Disney no long, longer letting us share or letting you share like Netflix. You uh, are going to have to sign up individually. And I get that. I get that. But here's my question. I don't have Disney. I haven't paid for it. It's there on my smart TV. It's an option, but I don't have it. I don't subscribe to it. And I want to know, is it worth it? 100%. Is Disney better than Stan? I probably watch it more than Stan. Okay, because I've got Stan and I've got Netflix. And and, uh, the Minister for War and Finance, she loves BritBox. Yes. So she watches BritBox. And then the rest, like, all that. The best thing on BritBox at the moment, have you seen Vera? No. It's a old, it's, it's, I don't know the actress's name, but it's, it's similar to Miriam Margulies, that kind of persona. She, she's a detective and she goes around What's the it called? Vera. 
Yeah, I, I, I think Nikki watches that one. Yeah, I, th- you, I think she does. Yes, love it. I think you'd like it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, that's that, that's her thing. Those sort of shows. Yeah, the Who Done It's the classic, the, the Vicar of Dibley, and um, she loves that um, Midsummer, Midsummer Night, Midsummer Murders, Midsummer, Midsummer yeah. Night Dream, Midsummer. <laughs> Coming back Nightmares. to Shakespeare. What's that one? The Who Done It? It's on a tropical island. Oh, Death in Paradise. She loves that. With Chris Marshall from Love Actually. That's him? Yeah. I've seen all these as I, well. Okay, they're her, that's her go. Yeah. That's her vibe. Yeah. It's a good vibe. Okay. I follow that. Is she going to give up that vibe? How do I convince her to get Disney? Is it worth it? I reckon look at the odds of what you use the most out of Stan and Netflix and trade one just for a month to see some new stuff that you haven't seen before. Oh, oh, okay. And to get you over the line, mm. I've got some suggestions for you. One's from Trevor Long and two are from me. Mm. The first one, this this is Trevor's. It's called The Bear. And it's about a young chef who comes to a Chicago family and he learns the the politics of this family running a restaurant. And it's it's very tastefully done. And when Trevor said that, my ears pricked up because I knew how good it was as well. All right. What's, give me one more. Um, I raved about it yesterday, about the world according to Jeff Goldblum. I went away mm. yesterday and watched an episode. And what I love about what he says, he says, I'm a simple guy, I'm a late bloomer, and I just want to learn about stuff. Mm. So there's an episode about coffee. There's an episode about sneakers and the history of it and how, right. how it all works. Okay. A little bit irreverent. Yeah. But Jeff Goldblum, if you like him, yeah, he has a certain style. Okay. Leave it with me. I'll see how I go this weekend. I may come back on Monday with some news for you. I want to hear from uh, our listeners. Is Disney worth it? Do I get it or not? One triple three five three is the telephone. And and are you with me in this woke world in which everybody is hell bent on gender equality? Why then, from the from the wokest world in the world, Hollywood? Why do they have a best actor and a best actress when they're all just actors? Shouldn't the winner be the person who portrays that character the best, whether it be a female, a male, or anyone in between? Shouldn't it just be actor? If there's, if we have this stuff pushed down our throats all the time and everyone wants to be equal, everyone wants equal pay, everyone wants equal opportunity, well, why do we have a best actor and a best actress category? Why isn't it all just best actor? Someone tell me, am I right or am I wrong? This is The Night Shift. The Night Shift on the Triple M Network. G'day, Mel. Hi. How are you, Mel? Where where are you calling from? Um, Oh, you've spoken to me before a couple of times. I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, in America. You're in Kentucky, in America. What time is it now? Um, Look at your watch. Nearly 12 o'clock. Midday? 12 p.m. Midday? Yep. And how come you're ringing me? Because I'm listening to you, that's why. And I want to to have a go at the quickie. Go. I could. Go. Okay. Led Zeppelin's Ramble On. And it has a connection with Lord of the Rings. Ramble on. From memories from Led Zeppelin 2. Yes. Where, you know how you can 
personalise your ringtones for different people when they ring. Thomas, this is Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, I can't tell you what my daughter's is. It was her favourite song, but it's just so vile. Um, and my son's is Ramble On. Can you believe it? When Jacob rings me, it plays Ramble On. And there's a long story. But no, you're wrong. I'm sorry, Mel. <sighs> but what a great song. I'm going to play it this morning. I'm going to play Ramble On this morning, I've decided, okay? Yeah, good. I'd be happy to hear it. Yeah. I'm from Led Zeppelin 2, I'm pretty sure. It's a good Led All of Led, Led Zeppelin is great. Hey, listen, what do you do in Kentucky, in the United States? Um, I work with horses, but right now I work for a store similar to Bunnings. It's called Lowe's. Okay. And, and you've got a, still got a very strong Australian accent. What took you to America? Um... I was married to an American for a while out in California, but um, it, it ended badly and left me sort of in a bad way. And I came out here to sort of get myself back together. And now I'm back together and I'm coming home to live later on this year, which I can't wait. Oh, you're coming back to Australia. Well, it's nice to talk to you. Thank you for listening to The Night Shift in America where it's midday. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Is it cold? Bloody freezing. We've had a lot of snow, and um, it's been down to single digits Fahrenheit. It's yeah, no, very, come... very cold right now. Yeah, time to come home. Definitely. I've had enough of this. Thank you, Mel. Lovely to talk to you. Talk to you when you get back. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Here is the quickie. Has a strong uh, association with a, a science fiction novel, according to Thomas. But no, it's not. Ramble on. But how good is this song? You've got to turn this up. Turn this up. What are you laughing at? There are times I wish our listeners could see what's happening on the radio because what you displayed was fantastic. I like the song. I can tell. I like the song. I like the whole album. Um, yes, it's a good thing. It's radio. One triple three five three is the telephone number if you would like to be part of the program. You're going to meet uh, for the first time on this program with somebody who's going to be a regular, James Morrow. He is the national political editor with the Daily Telegraph. Um, uh, he's also a, a, a member of the TV show The Outsiders. He's also on Sky News. Uh, he was uh, he came out to Australia from New York, I think, about 27 years ago. But um, he has really got his finger on the pulse of the Australian political scene, and there's lots to talk about this morning. And uh, he joins us for the first time this year uh, in just a little while. James Morrow, have a listen to what he has to say. If you disagree, please phone through and let us know. But uh, I, I'm sure you'll find him entertaining. That's coming up. Hey, listen, here's some really exciting news from my very good family. It's, they're more than friends. They're family, Nature B. They have this fantastic deal. You get six months supply with an extra month. Seven months that'll get you through to August. Seven months supply, 160 bucks, money back guarantee. And this is only valid until January 31. It's the 24th today. Work it out. Get online and do it now. And remember, you get your money back if it doesn't give you more energy, a better night's sleep, a great feeling of vitality. Every vitamin and mineral under the sun is in pollen. And this has been potentiated, which means the husk is broken and your, your bloodstream absorbs the whole thing. Feel the buzz, and it's a natural buzz. More energy. Nature B. Powerpollen.com.au. And tell them that I sent you. Seven months supply, 
It'll keep you going strong till August. Powerpollen.com.au. Glenn's online. G'day, Glenn. Oh. Oh. Glenn. Glenn, you rang the radio station and I've said hello and now you sound surprised. Yeah, but uh, I had a truck pass me and you sort of got me by surprise at the same time, so uh, it's all good. That's all right. Glenn, you, you're there now. What's up? Uh, crack up the cookie. Go. Uh, it's a uh, Tower of the Vision zip crack. The what? Uh, was it uh, Tower of the Vision zip crack? No, I have no idea what you just said, but that's wrong. I'm sorry, Glenn. No. Lee's at Penrith. Hello, Lee. How you going, Luke? Good. Uh, I just wanted to go with a quickie. Thanks, mate. Yes. Piano uh, Man by Billy Joel. Ooh, no. The, the, the other clue is that this song's associated with a science fiction novel. But you know what? You're kind of close. You are kind of. Can I say that? It is. You can see what. You can see why he's kind of close. I'll let it pass. No, it's wrong. Sorry, Lee. Here it is one more time. A 1970s hit associated with a science fiction novel. Huge artist. Huge. Absolutely massive. Um, who's been going for a long time, and some would argue still going strong. Some would argue still going very strong. What's the name of the song? Name of the song, name of the artist, One triple three five three. Now, I uh, recorded that conversation with James late last night and I've got news now that Sky News are reporting that Cricket Australia CEO Nick Hockley has done a bit of a backflip on all of this. Cricket Australia CEO Nick Hockley has confirmed... Australia Day will be mentioned in a ground announcement welcoming fans to the Gabba during the January 26th test in Brisbane. Um, He had a tense chat with my friend Ben Fordham on 2GB yesterday and um, he was grilled over whether or not the organisation was recognising Australia Day or not. And after a, a lengthy back and forth, Mr. Hockley conceded he didn't believe announcements about Australia Day would be played during the test over the loudspeaker, but he insisted the sporting body was not boycotting January 26. And then in a report published by The Australian late yesterday, the Cricket Australia boss revisited some of the comments. He confirmed the ground announcement welcoming cricket fans to the Gabba Wood reference the national celebration. So he's changed his mind. Anyway... There you are. Uh, still, I've had lots of feedback this morning about Pat Cummins, the cricket uh, captain, who was saying that he's he's calling for a change to the date of Australia Day, and people ringing me this morning, and nearly every one of them saying, Pat, concentrate on your cricket and leave your comments out of this sort of social commentary. So the test captain, Pat Cummins, has backed the decision that CEO Hockley was 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 going with at the beginning of the day saying that we should boycott January 26th at the cricket. Uh, Hockley, as you've just heard, has now apparently changed his mind and over the loudspeaker there will be a, a reference to the Australia Day public holiday, a second day's play at the Gabba on Friday. But Pat Cummins 
is saying that you should not use the term Australia Day in association with cricket. Pat Cummins is sticking by that. As I say, lots of calls this morning from people angry at those comments saying, shut up, put the baggy green on your head and play cricket. This is the night shift on Triple M. James Ward, uh, the content director for drive.com.au, joining us shortly with the latest on motoring. We'll also have a look at the day in finance with Saul. Um, And we'll try and get a winner to the quickie that sounds like this. 1970s has an association with a science fiction novel, apparently. That's what Thomas tells me. I'm running with Thomas on this. Hey, if it's green and it grows, you've heard me talk about this amazing product, Swift Grow. Don't take my word for it. Have a listen to Brendan, who rang me on Monday. The way I explain it to anyone is because obviously it's not a fertiliser as such. It's like steroids for plants. Hmm. But a few things that happen which I, I still can't get my head around, and one of them is I've got roses, and not only does it make healthy roses, they smell nice, but the way that it's helped combat um, black spot. Yeah. And then apart from that, whether it be the grass, I've grown tomatoes, I've grown corn, I've got fruit trees. Hmm. Are you, um, are you just a home gardener? Yeah, yeah. I've just I've just got a you know a few square meters out in the Hawkesbury, and it's just a hobby thing for me. But yeah, Brendan, he swear. What did he say? Steroids for plants, and it does get rid of diseases if you use the Swift Fort. There's Swift Life that brings things back to uh, to life, even if they've been killed with a glyphosate. Swift Grow. This amazing organic fertilizer that's got the world, the whole world talking. A five-litre bottle of Swift Grow, 120 bucks plus free delivery Australia-wide. You won't believe the results. It's a saving of 50%. Order online at swiftgrow.com.au. Before you use it, you know, within six weeks, four weeks, everyone's a bit different. The great late Glenn Fry from the Eagles, one of his big solo hits here on the Night Shift with Luke Bone and 13353 is the telephone number. Nightshift at triplem.com.au if you want to send us an email. There's been plenty to talk about today. It'll be a fascinating podcast. It'll be a fascinating look at the reaction and the feedback we get on both Facebook and and uh, and our emails today, Thomas, won't it? Hey, uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. James Lake is uh, delivering news headlines for us shortly. That's right after this. Time to have a look at the news headlines Australia's waking up to today, Wednesday, January 24. And James Lake with the news headlines joins me now from the Triple M studios in Melbourne. Good morning to you, James. Very good morning to you, Luke. Well, there's a bit to go on. I've spoken to James Morrow and I've, we've talked about the stage three tax cuts. Look, we knew, didn't we, as soon as uh, Anthony Albanese, the Prime Minister, was skirting around questions about whether or not the stage three tax cuts would stay intact or not. He, was nev- he would never ever say yes, he would say, oh, there will be tax cuts, there will be tax cuts. We've got a better look at what's going on now. Yeah, that's right. Look, and he's he's kind of damned if he did, damned if he didn't in this situation. But the stage three tax cuts, as we know, were set to abolish the 37% tax bracket for people on incomes between 120 and 180 grand, and then apply like a kind of a blanket 30% tax rate for everyone on 45k up to 200. But what we're hearing now, the numbers that were agreed on by the Cabinet yesterday, label, in, label instead keep the 37% bracket for incomes between 135k and 190 with the 45% tax rate to kick in from then. Now, under the changes, essentially, 
any Aussie who's earning 150 grand or under will be better off, but those earning a lot more will be worse off. Now, the Prime Minister's kind of holding on to those details still with a speech expected tomorrow at the National Press Club to reveal all the numbers. Yeah, uh, you're right. Damned if he didn't, damned if he didn't. Uh, I wonder, will this be uh, something that the opposition will jump all over uh, heading towards the next election? Uh, and, of course, it will be. But uh, anyway, yeah, we'll find out at the National Press Club tomorrow. Woolworths, boy, oh, boy, uh, are the Olympic trials for backpedalling still going? Because <laughs> I'm telling you now they win a gold. Uh, They'd absolutely win. Well, yeah, t- tell the folks what's happened. Yeah, so if you pick up any of the major newspapers today, Woolies have put in a full-page ad, which is essentially a letter written and signed by their CEO, Brad Banducci. And it points out a couple of things, essentially saying that, you know, Woolworths is, you know, a proud Australian company. They're not trying to cancel Australia Day. They always want to celebrate Australians. It goes into explaining the merchandising decision about not selling, you know, things like Australia Day flags and Australia Day thongs. And it says that the decision to cancel that merchandise was made 12 months ago, not just a you know, flippant decision a couple of weeks ago, but because of the fact that sales were declining. And it also touched on the fact that you know, Woolworths celebrates Australia every single day by stocking Australian products. So you know, we shouldn't be thinking of them as trying to cancel our national day. Yeah. And then I'm just having a look. And then there's another full page ad. Uh, have a look at this. Uh, full page ad in, uh, in all the mas- uh, national newspapers. Great value for Australia Day long <laughs> weekend. <laughs> Australian grown bananas, two dollars ninety. Yep, there's uh, your backpedal. Um, marinated kebabs, six dollars each. Uh, Australian barbecue chickens, great value for the Australia Day long weekend from Woolworths. The fresh food people. Anyway, there you go, Woolies. Well done. They didn't read the room, but they have now. Um, tell me about these flight cancellations. Yeah, a bit of a pain if you're trying to get anywhere in the country and flights are being cancelled. And it's still going on a lot more than it did before COVID. The Australian Travel Industry Association has crunched the numbers and they kind of reckon that because of airlines cancelling so many flights, it's costing tourism operators around the country, as well as travellers, half a billion dollars every year in just extra costs because their travel's being delayed. Yeah, and uh, it's how frustrating is it for people who have uh, booked holidays and it's absolutely ruined um, yeah. either by cancellations uh, or you um, you see that the price goes up a week or two before those weekends. A bit like petrol, nationally, petrol. I think Perth is probably the best value in Australia, but petrol, I mean, the petrol that's already been purchased by the servos that's under the ground being pumped, suddenly it goes up the day before a long weekend you watch. It's miraculous every time. Uh, it is indeed. It is indeed. Uh, all right. Um, tell us about how much we have blown on our pets. Oh, yeah. Just finally. they. You know, we are a country of dog lovers and cat lovers. Millennials now crowned Australia's top spending pet owners. This is from some data crunched mm. by ComBank that found that the generation millennials spend an average $357 a month on their pets. Uh, baby boomers are uh, actually spending a whole lot less, uh, less than half, $173 a month on their pets. So it just shows how much we love it. There was also a poll out yesterday from Finder, Luke, that said mm. that mm. one in three millennials have installed cameras at their home so they can mm. watch their dogs and cats while yes, they're at work. Yes, my, my stepdaughter, Kelsey, she has a camera. They have a little dog. We, we took Kelsey out to lunch a couple of weeks ago when I was on leave. The whole time at this table, she's looking at the phone, <laughs> watching her dog in the bedroom. And Probably she, more than baby monitors. No, nah, and, and there was sound as well. 
and she wasn't happy. She didn't wow. enjoy her lunch. I, I've seen it myself. Hey, listen, thank you so much for that today, James. Have uh, a, a great, uh, great day. We'll talk tomorrow. Thank you, Luke. Okay, thank you. James Lake with a look at the news headlines for today, Wednesday, January 24. I'll talk tomorrow. The Quickie, the clue for The Quickie is on our podcast. It's there right now. Today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. Wednesday's who else to beef. Tuesday soon. Monday is once your day. Is everybody happy? You bet your life we are.